Welcome back to the Be There in Five podcast. I am Kate Kennedy, your host. This is part two of a series. We're calling it Sorority Deep Dive, if you will. But really what this episode is, is a me reading off emails and DMs and, um, you know, from our Facebook group, different stories that people have submitted and been so generous to contribute to tell me about their, you know, funniest story, worst story, best story of what went on in their sorority. And I really wanted to provide more range than my own experience by providing listener experiences. Whether you were in a sorority or not, regardless of how long you've been out of school, I think that in these environments, there's such inherent drama from the structure of it all, from the different personalities. And some schools really do it wrong and some schools really do it well. And some are, you know, in between but regardless, I think it's really fascinating to hear about how uh, we're how we're similar and how we're really different in terms of our how we look back on our sorority experiences. And on this podcast, I love to kind of reminisce, walk down memory lane, if you will, about times in our life when we maybe we thought we understood it while we were in it. But now being a little bit older, having a little bit more experience and perspective, getting to analyze it from a more comedic angle because we had absolutely no idea what was going on. And we were just absolutely insane. And I get a real kick out of it. And I loved reading all of your stories. And I'm excited you're back. I appreciate you coming back after the first episode. That's so awesome. If you're new here, welcome. God bless. People think I'm rambly. People think I'm long-winded. You think it. I've heard it. And, you know, I want this to be at will. But um, I did watch a movie this past weekend called Late Night with Mindy Kaling and Emma Thompson. And Emma Thompson says something so poignant at the end of each episode, which is, I hope I have earned the privilege of your time. And I do take this seriously, and that's why I've broken this episode up into two parts, because even though it's at will, what's flattering and so kind is that you want to be listening. And I can see the frustration of not having time to listen and me not editing it to a more meaningful, dense episode. So instead of feeling like you have one daunting episode or that you have to wait in between a week for two different installments, I figured I'd break it up into two and put it in the same week and try to like kind of balance the, the feedback to make everybody uh, maybe hopefully a little happier. I don't know. I just don't, I want you to keep listening. So I'm trying to be mindful of what people are, are, are saying. And um, yeah, so thank you for coming back. I'm so excited for this episode. For, you know, today's purposes, I am a Kappa Delta and a Kappa Delta only. I'm also a writer, entrepreneur, author, podcast, or whatever. It doesn't matter. Nonsense, really. Uh, compare it to that of the honorable, the beautiful, the highest. Loyalty forever to the green and white. Check a beer, check a beer, check a beer like a KD can. Uh, all that good stuff. <laughs> and uh, while my experience is no reflection on Kappa Delta itself, because they're a lovely organization that I respect greatly, or Virginia Tech, a wonderful university that I respect greatly, a lot of these experiences are, are quite personal. And um, I, you know, always debate whether or not how much to like say or open up or whatever. But hopefully today we can have a conversation and endure the ups and downs together because there are certainly some downs, but a lot more ups and we're always trying to net positive around here. It was definitely interesting for me to reminisce on some of my experiences. I think I had, you know, a few dark times in college that I maybe wasn't taking as seriously as I should have at the time. I have a lot of thoughts on like what I would tell myself now if I were in college. I know a lot of you were in college. It's a kind of a separate conversation I want to have because I feel, I don't know, like this has really dug up a lot of things that I've really blocked out. I, I, even, I graduated in 2009. I haven't been to Blacksburg to my college town since 2009. Everybody else is always tailgating and going back for alumni stuff. And I don't know why I never do. And this has really been like a 
this has been like a, lot, a little bit of soul searching amidst the, the, the laughter and nonsense that I wanted it to be. But it's kind of, I don't know, come full circle in a great way. And uh, yeah, we'll t- we can talk about that later. We'll get into the episode, but I'm so glad you're here. So welcome back to the Be There in Five podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode, part two of our sorority deep dive. The first story I'm going to read is called uh, The Red Dress Day (laughs) That Will Live in Infamy. Picture this, a newly established sorority at one of the biggest southern state schools. It was our first formal recruitment. We did not have a mansion like everyone else, so we recruited from a temporary space. The only place we could find was a literal church. So the first problem was that the PNM's potential new members thought we lived in a church. But then Red Dress Day came. Panhellenic ran their magic numbers, and the round before preference, we found ourselves with parties of 100-plus women when it was supposed to be around 60. We did not have enough seats for 200-plus women to be talking to each other at the same time in this echoey church. So it was over 200 in this small church because when you add in the regular sorority members plus the potential new members. Our advisors ran out and bought every pillow from home goods, marshals, et cetera, in the entire city. We all had to kneel in front of our PNM and shouted her during the party. To be fair, we did a lot of kneeling, but I'm sure your pillows were cuter. Um, and then the AC broke in Florida <laughs> in August. <laughs> then the pipes on the second floor of the church <laughs> burst in the middle of the day. So we had toilet water leaking into the room. <laughs> We threw every towel and tablecloth we had and stood women in front of it to hide the toilet water leaking into the space. And then half the chapter got food poisoning from lunch and the unbearable heat. We took turns throwing up in the bathroom between rounds. The weakest among us backed out at this point. The strongest popped a mint and went back out. Also, we were wearing heels. A few of us twisted our ankles on the steps. Some continued to hobble through the rounds. The others retreated to the upstairs to lick, lick our wounds. During this entire ordeal, we were wearing Coca-Cola red dresses. It had been five years since this happened. If you ask any woman from my chapter who was recruiting that year, they will immediately inform me that no recruitment experience can be worse than red dress day. Honestly, it sounds like the red wedding. I don't even watch Game of Thrones, but I know enough to know that that's probably a very good comparison. (laughs) So, okay, you it was heavily echoey. You had no AC. Your pipes pipes broke. It was literally leaking toilet water. But then simultaneously, you also had to use those toilets for people to throw up their lunch into. That is disgusting. (laughs) On so many levels and so amazing and so low budge and bless your chapter's heart. Bet you got some good recruits that year. That was probably called the lost pledge class. Um, I was in a sorority that had a very strict anti-hazing policy. At my second chapter meeting, they showed us a long video about hazing and how dangerous it could be. Then the president of the national chapter walked into the meeting and someone in the, and said, someone in this room has been hazed and another person that isn't in the room was hazing her. Totally clueless, I thought, huh, oh shit, who could that be? After the meeting, I got called into standards. The standards chair told me that they had pictures of me being hazed and asked me to explain. I asked to see the picture and they wouldn't show me, so sketch. I told them I didn't feel hazed and they let me go. I found out my friend Lauren was being accused of forcing me to chug beer. Lauren had no idea what they were talking about and was put on social probation. It turns out it was a completely made-up story from another member because she didn't want Lauren to be president. What? That is bad. That is messed up. Man, people are catty. Is is nobody else scared of other people? Is nobody else 
terrified of conflict and trouble? I would never. I mean, I can't even imagine how much of this must go on in the real world. I'm so naive. Um, okay, let's see. I was legit sent to honor board, basically the Supreme Court of a sorority, my junior year, because one vindictive little press wrote me up for having sex with my then-boyfriend in our sorority house. She had the gall to staple a condom wrapper that she claimed to have found in my room to the document describing the incident. Imagine me in front of a panel of four members and two adults trying to deny this. Oh, my God. Okay, you know who staples a condom wrapper to a document formally reporting somebody for fornicating is somebody who needs to get laid. Again, guys, relax. I, I didn't partake in a lot of that risk behavior in my youth, but it doesn't mean I raged against people who did. My best story from this time is when a member found a literal machete hidden in their room. Was it Shannon? My God. Uh, assuming it belonged to their roommate with, who was questionably stable, and they reported it. Our president at the time was worthless, and her plan to deal with it was to steal the knife and then address it later in standards. The knife was hidden in a beanbag chair, so we got it out, and the president insisted we take it in our cars to a literal abandoned park about three blocks from the house and hide it in the compartment of her car meant for a spare tire. Not exactly sure how I would have handled it, but all right. The girl's explanation ended up just being that she needed it to cut watermelon. <laughs> I mean, it's like that's something you would cut a watermelon with. But like, why would you hide in a beanbag chair? Like if, if you OK, if you need it, if you love watermelon, it's something important to you in your life. Just come out and be like, hey, just so you know, I have a huge effing knife. And that huge effing knife isn't to murder you. It's to cut my own watermelon at my leisure. Otherwise, you hide in a beanbag chair. What if somebody sits on said beanbag chair? Oh, maybe that's why I was there. Didn't want any squatters on the old BBC. Um, <laughs> oh, I still laugh. Uh, this person said, I was a Rokai my senior year. The week gets progressively harder for Rokais as you watch girls start to get cut from houses or cut from rush altogether. In the morning, the girls get their schedules right before their first houses. Then the, then the waterworks happen as the girls start to see which houses they got cut from. Your job as a Rokai is basically just to console these impressionable 18-year-old girls who may have had their hearts dead set on a particular house. I found one girl crying behind a tree and asked her what was wrong. She had been cut from the DZ house. She was heavy set and was crying about how she's so fat. Even the chapter that her own grandmother founded cut her. I had no words. All I could do was hug her while she cried. <laughs> this is the word. That is so bad. And I hope it's not true. I hope she was like a mean or a drug addict. If it had anything to do with her weight. F all those chicks. Oh, my God. That's awful. Her grandmother founded it. Are you kidding me? That's like, that's like, that's like not letting Dave Thomas's, you know, uh, granddaughter into a Wendy's. You just don't do it. I'm sorry for the metaphor, and I'm sorry I trivialized that by using Wendy's for comparison. <laughs> I regret everything. Um, I mean, I don't have to tell you guys. If anybody ever makes you feel like a physical attribute is a proper projection for anything that can be placed upon your character for, for a process that's allegedly fair. I mean, middle fingers up, put them hands high. Are you kidding? It's truly like, that's, those are those things. I just can't. I mean, I, I know you weren't that girl, but like, here's the thing. If that were true, and I know like this is a long time ago, but could you have like told somebody like, well, and would she really even want to be in that house? 
That's the thing. It's like, I hope nobody said that to her. She might have felt that way. I hope nobody made her feel that way. But if they did, that seems like something you should be able to, like, as a Rokai, like, go back to Panhellenic or go back to the house and be like, yo, you can't discriminate against people based on body type. It's so messed up. Body image things are so, so sensitive and so difficult. And I feel like in college, people are so violently insecure that unfortunately it often manifests itself in judging other people and being harsh about other people's appearances and it's awful and it's damaging and i just god i can't i'm i wasn't ready for that anyways moving on god bless so this girl said russia's insane from the outside it's a house full of girls screaming songs at you while they give you tours of the house and tell you how amazing sorority life is from the inside it's full-on judging how how good of a fit a girl will be for your house based on a superficial, maybe 15 minute long conversation you've had with them. We would talk with the girl we got paired up with. And then in the brief 10 minutes before the next party came through, we would have to rate them on a scale from one to five, one, no way five. We want them to join. Then after all the parties, you have to go and discuss why you rated each girl like this with every, with three simple brief statements. We actually had a list of descriptors you were allowed to use to try to keep it objective. Sure. Jan, (laughs) it would go something like this. I met Emily and scored her a five because she seems genuine, excited, and she's a legacy. Um, The opposite of this was usually something like, I met Jessica and scored her a one because she seemed aloof, disinterested, and abrasive. After sitting through this the first year, I was a part of Rushed. I was amazed I even got in. I agree. When I sat through a recruitment, I was like, oh, my God. Not because it's like ours wasn't rude necessarily, but like at a point you kind of had to judge people because you had to make selections. So people, I feel like we're just throwing random adjectives out there. And I do remember people talking about abrasive people, which is a funny cultural thing, I'd argue. Like now, I think abrasive people, uh, I don't think that's as much of a negative thing anymore. Like, I think that's, uh, you know, an unconscious bias we maybe have about women not wanting them to be more forward. And I actually think that's a very appealing, can be a very appealing leadership quality. Um. I chose to live in the house because it was a pretty affordable option and it kept me within walking distance of the university. But living with 28 girls under one roof is a lesson lesson in patience, among other things. There were five showers total in the house, six toilets, and 28 girls. My first year living in, I shared a room with seven other girls. It looked like a scene from Annie. (laughs) (laughs) Empty belly lives. Um, I love that scene when they're just like, uh, pillow fighting to this day I'm like okay whenever I got in a pillow fight as a child I was like why aren't there feathers flying throughout my room but that's actually completely undesirable um, my clothing will get stolen all the time despite my very passive aggressive notes left on my closet stating to please at least ask me if you're going to make off with my favorite Abercrombie sweatshirt my roommate once made a shit list of people who were pissing her off and hung it outside her door <laughs> okay that's abrasive <laughs> Rituals. I won't get into too many details, but I thought some of our rituals were actually very lovely. But looking back, it does seem a little cultish when you have 60 to 70 girls dressed in all white in a candlelit room, softly singing songs about sisterhood to you while you're half delirious from being up most of your initiation weekend. I agree. I think a lot of our initiations are probably the same. And um, honestly, everybody ends their uh, emails with like, overall, sorority life's a little strange and judgmental and weird. But would I do it again? You bet. Met some of the best people I've ever been friends with. I think that's like the overarching sentiment is we're like, that was pretty weird, but I do it all over again. Um, uh, Something that people brought up several times that made me laugh was um, 
the concept of drinking in your car if you couldn't drink in the house. Like one person said, um, it was the last weekend before winter break. Everyone had a date to winter formals except us. Our house was super strict about not drinking, so we decided to do a car bar, a.k.a. drinking in someone's car in our parking lot. We got these big fountain drinks and spiked them, and the night was going great. A decent amount of a 60-ounce vodka cocktail later, we decided it would be hilarious to go drink in our TV room. So rebellious. Well, our dumbasses wrote our names on our cups, left them in the TV room, and hightailed it out to the only frat not having winter formal. While we were out gallivanting around campus, our house mom was nosily sniffing our cups. Nosily sniffing. Good one. Um, I woke up on my futon the next day, hung over, and immediately informed we would be sent to standards. Oh, that's a tough place to be. All second semester, we were on social probation, couldn't go to functions, no buddies, no being allowed to events, and where there would be drinking, etc. I will never, I will forever remember the probo era, as we like to call it, both with fondness but also anger, because it's the only time I've ever gotten in trouble in my whole life. <laughs> Two things. Um, it, I do feel like. It's funny how the like the punishments the, that's why sororities were so scary. It's because like nowhere else really, except for like the law are like punishment so severe when you're not breaking the law. So you broke these rules and you're like forbidden to go from all this stuff that you are still having to pay for, which is insane. But also sniffers get snitches. Who's going around sniffing cups like if I saw a rogue big gulp on us, you know, an end table in the living room, I wouldn't go a sniffing. The one thing is, like, when I was in the house, I, I don't even remember who the house mom was, but I definitely drank in the house. And I also, at the time, was like, why are you such a stickler? Like, go out, have a beer, live your life. Like, you, you are literally allergic to fun. And now I'm like, oh, I think the rent was free. So I totally understand somebody doing that job because they wanted free rent, but then having to like strictly enforce the rules and be, and they probably hated it as much as we did. You know, these are the things that when you're 20, you don't think about, you just make a, a, a hard and fast judgment about somebody just being the worst. This is another uh, example of a, a car bar. Um, oh, and this too. Okay. One thing I always found strange are sleeping porches. Is this common across the U S I have never heard of that. In the state where I went to school, it was considered a brothel if there was a certain number of girls living in one room. I think it was 7 to 10. Okay, we had a brothel law. Yeah, but I don't know what a sleeping porch is. The solve for this was to have everyone sleep in one room with the windows open year-round. <laughs> what? How is that a solution? So there were 50-plus of us sleeping on bunk beds in one room where the windows were always open in a state where it snowed. Okay, that is not normal it can't be i used to have to preheat my bed every night before getting in and i am now realizing the immense fire hazard of everyone having a heated mattress pad and blanket in one room <laughs> yes all 50 of you my god were there enough outlets we also couldn't have alarm clocks or phones on the porch so the newest members had shifts every morning to wake people up how would okay what that is horrible not only for the newest members having to wake you up, like having personal human alarm clocks, um, but also, was it a literal? I need photos. I need photos. Was it a literal porch? I've never heard of that. That's hysterical. The other weird thing I always found strange was that we weren't allowed to drink in the house. That's not the strange part. But we were all forced to have a POW, which stood for party on wheels, <laughs> a car bar party on wheels. So essentially, you could walk down Sorority Row on any given night and find hundreds of girls drinking in parked cars on the side of the road. 
this is so sad. Again, it doesn't prevent the behavior. It prevents from doing it in plain sight. So like, it, it's, you know, it's like on meeting girls, they're like, if you're going to drink, I'd rather you do it in the house. It's you, like, I get not wanting it under your roof and not wanting the liability. But again, like most of these people were 21. Like we still couldn't like drink in letters and before functions outright. If we were 21, it's like so stupid. The other thing I've always wondered that anyone else did is tapping. Every fall, we'd have a barn dance. This is probably exclusive to my state. And to invite your date, you'd tie a sweatshirt around their head so they couldn't see and tackle them to the ground while your sisters gathered around in a circle and sang reworked lyrics to rap songs. <laughs> They'd sing until you've successfully got your date on the ground and then would start over again and when the next couple entered the circle. If you weren't able to tackle your date, Five to ten other sisters would jump in and help tackle? I would if somebody just had a fresh ACL surgery. A, a, you know, rotator cuff from a rogue high school volleyball incident. Guys, that's dangerous. <laughs> what? I would never tackle somebody. Not then, not now. I mean, I guess I could go for a clean clothesline to the legs. I do have a broader shoulder, but it's just certainly not desirable. Um... <laughs> I can still hear 369, damn, look fine without, oh, I can't hear 369, damn, look fine without singing 369, it's barn dance time. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. This is the same as porch bunk bed gal. These are three of the best things I've read. Um, but also to rework, to rework lyrics before you tackle somebody for the barn dance is like, Again, I need footage. Like, this is so hard for me to wrap my head around. Like, like, whenever, wherever, let's bond dance together. B-A-R-N-D-O-O-R-S. Yeah. Uh, did I just say barn doors and not barn dance? <laughs> uh, but, uh, hey, hey, you, you, I don't want your barn dance. That's a good one. Those aren't rap songs. Anyway, moving on. Actually, I can't move on because 2007 was a great time and a really tough time for me. Why? Because The Sweet Escape by Gwen Stefani came out. And, the, well, there's two songs that are really triggering for me. One is The Sweet Escape. Whoa! Whoa! I, I can't. And also Cupid's Chokehold um, by the gym class heroes. Take a look at my barn dance. Like, da-da-da-da. I hate it. <laughs> Shuddering. Anyway, moving on. I just got a message that said... Our nationals gave us a list of words we could use to describe the girls, and one was hot tuna. And I will always use that. Is that like a wet blanket? I feel like that's very smelly. And I hope, it, like, is that a personality thing or like an, you know, a, a, a hygiene thing? It's very interesting. I mean, the good news about hot tuna is at least she came to your party. Also, this person said that, um, at, when she was in a sorority, they hosted a philanthropy event, and one of the frat attendees the next day killed his parents, and there's a Lifetime movie about it? Yikes. He's called the Romeo Killer? Yikes. Sorry, I should, I'm, like, reading articles while I'm recording live. Like, you're not here. Okie doke. Well, if you want to look up the Romeo Killer, we have a direct connection. That is terrifying. Wow, 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 wow. So I'm kind of like hopping up between stories on email and DM and I got some new ones recently. Um, and this one says my sorority got pulled put on probation because we hazed the new girls. We didn't haze. We just brought them in a dark room and yelled at them and then had a party 
But to some sensitive Sallies, I guess that's considered hazing. Whatevs. The kicker of the story is that I started a rumor that my little butt chugged at the event, which for the record is not true. I was just drunk and annoying. Anyways, I guess people thought I was serious because I was brought into standards. I was on exec too, so this was frowned upon to be questioned on said butt chugging incident. My little was also brought into standards. She was standards freshman rep, ironic, and was asked if I forced her to butt chug. The air was clear and it was determined that no butt chugging activity was frowned, forced, nor did happen. I had to stand up in front of the whole chapter and apologize for starting this rumor. I regret nothing. <laughs> What's funny is yesterday I was, my point was like, you know hazing is pretty mild and like all your big did was like shower you with gifts and write really almost aggressively kind of way messages about you despite not knowing you very well but i i obviously forewent um realizing that people did spread rumors about you know absorbing alcohol through alternative mucous membranes besides one's mouth in which case i would have been very embarrassed i hope you're a little as sense of humor but because she was standards rep i'm not sure she did but hilarious nonetheless and I feel like you said the words butt chugging so much in that small paragraph to, because that's probably exactly how it went down in the Santa's meeting in the humor is how often the term needs to be said. <laughs> this one says we did recruitment second semester and over winter break, we received an email from the recruitment chair saying that if any of us were sick, we needed to get over it because she didn't want to hear sniffing, sniffling during rounds. For centuries, man has looked for a cure to the common cold until an angry 20-year-old sorority girl came along and invented just getting over it. Of course, I came back with a cold and was terrified to sniffle. Um, that is so mean and so terrible and, like, maybe illegal. And um, also, the danger, if, if one person comes in with a cold and you knock out the whole house, that's the danger. And I actually got out of rush um, my senior year for a terrible, like, respiratory infection or something. And... Uh, honestly even though i was like a little psyched i was also in a lot of pain but also i was like i will get in more trouble if i infect a hundred people like what would you do then it would be worse than the red wedding i mean dress day um this one says i went to a house party one night and hung out with all new members and current members this is when she was pledging as new members we weren't allowed to drink around current members so when you were to party with them depending on the person they would look away or you'd run to the bathroom or hallway or closet or bedroom to drink uh, aka a bunch of little freshmen in one room throwing back shots. I went to this party and didn't drink that night because I had an 8 a.m. but had fun hanging out and being a mom to all the freshmen. Next, this is like such a fun thing. Like that's one of my favorite things about girls. Um, and it doesn't mean you're not one, but I feel like everybody's like, I'm such a mom, and I'm like, yeah, you, you were sober one night. <laughs> you're on a juice cleanse. I don't think it makes you Pollyanna. I just like all of my friends would be like, God, it's so tough being so responsible when you're all such a blackout mom girls. And I'd be like, eh, Sally, you're de your you're sober sister. This is your literal job to not be drinking. Don't make the rest of us feel bad. <laughs> Anyways, I believe you. Uh, side note. Um, next day, I get an email saying, I got a personnel. I assume that means like an infraction. And I had to meet in the suite to have a meeting with the personnel chair. I had no idea why. I went in and basically got told I drank in front of a current member. On a night I didn't drink, I literally didn't understand how this happened and got upset that a drunk girl t told on me for something I didn't do. Basically, I found out later that she mistook me for another drunk blonde baby hootie at the party. Hootie? Oh, well, now... <laughs> Sorry. Now everyone knows what sorority you're in. I don't love that. Is there, like, a sorority whose mascot is a blowfish that you can have socials with? That'd be fun. Um... Basically, I found out later that she mistook me for another drunk baby hootie. I can't say straight face at the party, but she herself was too drunk to know or tell the difference. 
After it got cleared up, I still couldn't have them remove the personnel and still had to do more community service because, of course, they have to believe a current member over a new member. Legit, that was the reason. That's that's so stupid. That's 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 insane. Um, this person said I was sent to standards when I was president of my chapter because I had been ignoring house court emails about house decor. My standards chair was also concerned that I've been legally drinking at the same pregame as new members. Despite the power trip at the time, I guess no one is above sorority law. That's pretty ballsy to take uh, the president of the sorority to standards about house decor. Jeez Louise. This person said, at my chapter, we used to have these glorious events called roundtables where everyone would sit on the floor and talk about what was bothering them regarding the chapter. You can only imagine the shit show this was. Over 118 to 21 year olds taking all, out all their personal problems always ended in a screaming, crying match. After a year, they were banned. We had um, open forums, uh, and I'm sure everybody dreaded them, but I literally brought popcorn. It was so exciting. I never had anything to say. Um, the the other time, like, I mean, obviously these things are private, but um, I, you know, uh, right when I had gotten in, we had this, like, pledge class sleepover, and I was like, I have no friends. I don't know these people. This is so scary. So many people in our pledge class. We sat in a giant circle in this big room, and, like, everybody basically like revealed their deepest darkest secrets and on the one hand i'm glad it happened because i was like whoa people have some serious problems i mean it was hardcore i i couldn't even believe what i was hearing and it kind of was a lesson to me and like you just don't know somebody else's battle because as i talked about yesterday everybody was just like so like smart and beautiful and involved and just seemed like they had everything together but then you hear these really dark backstories that are that are tough to hear and you genuinely feel badly and then but by the time the circle gets to me, you know, as I've mentioned before, I have my battles with, you know, mental health. My life hasn't been perfect, I, but I, I don't have any um, the, the, up until that point. I didn't have any personal trauma that was anywhere comparable to a lot of the stuff I was hearing. And I didn't really like know what to do because I didn't want to say I didn't have any. Um, so what I, I didn't want to, like, make something up. <laughs> And um, I like all I remember is like, so I was fresh off this vacation my family took to Southern California. This was when Laguna Beach was on. This is when our obsession with SoCal was starting. I was born in um, San Diego. My brother and sister were born in Orange County. We like did this visit and I was kind of like, why the hell did we move to Richmond, Virginia? Like, what's going on? I really like felt like I found myself over there on the shore. I went into the Laguna Beach shop where Morgan from actual LBHS worked. She was a delight. The Mormon girl. Um, took a picture, but it's on a disposable camera. Never will see it again. Anyway, uh, so I think I started with like, yeah, you know, like I just went on this trip and out to California and like saw our old friends from when I was younger. And like, I just really wished we never left the West Coast. So that was hard. Um, and sometimes I have trouble. Um, I It's really hard to talk about, but I I I, I have trouble sleeping. I, I am not an insomniac, but I, I do think I have a melatonin imbalance. And it was just like crickets. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, get this off of me. Because I was like, I don't know. It was so somber. It was so uncomfortable. And like, I just, oh, God. Anyways, I don't know why, but my husband thinks that's like the funniest story. I don't tell it very well, but his response to it was like, so let me get this straight. People were, you know, telling you about their deceased relatives and high school tragedies and you chose to say through a choked voice that sometimes your 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 mind runs amok after 11 p.m. And I was like, yeah, I guess that wasn't great. I should have just got, should have just got to the bathroom. But I mean, again, it, what happened to other people wasn't funny. 
it is a little bit weird sitting in a circle and telling everybody your deepest, darkest secrets who you've never met and you theoretically can't even trust. Because I, I didn't know it. Again, that's the bill of goods you're sold, a sisterhood. is this thing, but then like over time you realize it's real of the pocket of friends you make, but it's not really real overall because sisters screw people over constantly. Um, I mean, I feel actually bad about how I handled this, but there was a time when I was kind of dating somebody. It wasn't serious and he wasn't into me at all, but I was like so insecure and miserable at the time and um, took everything so personally that I was I was like very hurt by the breakup because we were also like very close friends and I felt like it was a little bit heartless. And um, my family refers to it as the time Katie ruined Christmas, like, you know, the Grinch stole Christmas. And anyway, um, I was very upset. I get back from uh, winter break. I sit down in econ and it was like this huge um, lecture hall. And the guy who had broken up with me and my sorority sister like sit in front of me, like right in front of me. And they're like flirting, talking, walk in together. And I was always kind of suspicious if he was into her. And then apparently like they had been seeing each other and like started talking like I think before I he, they even broke up with me. And I was freaking livid. I was so upset. It was I, I just thought it was like so rude to like traipse around in front of me. But also I overreacted. And also when I was younger, I took things out way too hard on women. And like, I don't think she really knew because she would be we weren't friends and she would listen to what he said. And he'd be like, oh, yeah, we're done. Um, and like, just because you're in the same organization doesn't necessarily mean you can't like date the same people. Like, I know, if, you know what I mean? Like I would now I wouldn't care at all. Like now if somebody broke up with me, I'd be like, you're lost. Bye. Um, but then it was just so personal and dramatic. And I was like pounding NyQuil for, you know, my insomnia. <laughs> and, uh, anyway, I feel really badly. Cause I remember like we went to a Starbucks and I felt like I was sold this bill of goods of sisterhood. And I, and the fact that she seemed to like be very dis, she was kind of aloof to be honest, like, Oh, sorry. I didn't know it was that big of a deal. You weren't together anymore. And I was kind of like, well, Jesus, you don't have a heart, but I do feel really guilty because I was like, I feel like I didn't have an argument because she was like, well, we are not friends. I don't know you very well. And like, I'm sorry, but I didn't really understand the extent of it. And all the only thing I could say back was like sisterhood. But I was told that sisters would always look out for their sisters. But <laughs> that's so stupid. So it's just like, I don't know. Don't you think there's like kind of like an ethical dilemma or something? And I remember saying that word. And as it came out, I was like, oh, Jesus, that wasn't the right word. And she was like, are you suggesting that like I'm unethical? And I was like, oh, shit. It was such an uncomfortable conversation. I don't even know why I asked her to talk. I think I was just like beside myself. I think I think had it not been in front of me and like very I just felt like something about it was smug. Um, and anyway, I still feel bad about it. And I was just so goddamn jealous. You know what I mean? Like of and of people that like were beautiful and smart and had it together and were like in shape and like seemed breezy and unaffected and like boys love them. I, I just was jealous. I, and I feel so stupid now, but it's like at the time, the intensity is just so there. And then your friends kind of egg you on. They're like, you need to talk to her. And like, I don't know. It's just so stupid. Anyway, um, back to this email. Um, she said a bunch of sisters started getting on seeking arrangements and going to dinner with guys for money. Yikes. Um, maybe the sword didn't take all your money. <laughs> Yeah, some more. This girl found a guy and he sent her a check for a thousand dollars to show he was legit. The check was fake. She got blamed for cashing a fake check, owed all the money back to the bank, had to call the police and tell her parents. <laughs> what was that? Ha did that happen in the open forum? Um, we had a sorority house, but no house mom. So we all went buck ass wild, but also sucked because we would fight over the two washer and dryers for 20 plus girls all the time. Um, 
recruitment was hell. We had to be there at the crack of dawn, stay really late in the night ranking girls. During ranking, you weren't allowed to say people were nice or sweet. That's interesting. I don't remember if we were or not. I mean, maybe that's where the hot tuna of it all comes in. Um, overall, I made a few great friends and got some great pictures. Would probably five out of ten recommend. <laughs> Appreciate the the Yelp like rating. Um, this person said, so I joined a sorority when I got to college, which was in 2004. After being a member for a year and enjoying it, I found myself on the other side of the equation. During the following years, we all prepared for rush week. We were given giant packets of information, what to wear for each round, how to do our hair, things to ask rushies, skits to learn, songs to learn, the logistics of entering and exiting rooms in an ultra choreographed fashion, etc. I spent about a grand on new clothes for rush week and arrived at school two weeks early uh, for rehearsals. We spent a week preparing for each round, decorating the house and practicing skits. It was exhausting. When rush week finally started, I had no idea how bad it was about to get. Little did I know that even though I'd spent tons of money and time preparing for rush, it had already been decided by our rush committee that I wouldn't be participating at all. Apparently, I, along with about three or four other sisters, were deemed too ugly to even be seen by rushies. I was literally told to hide in a closet so no one would see my face during rush. I mean, God forbid they see a monster like me and associate with me as my sorority. I cannot even describe to you the devastation that I felt. I was literally sobbing and people around me pretended not to notice. And I'm, I'm sorry, I feel so bad. I didn't read this one before. I was literally sobbing and people around me pretended not to notice and didn't show one ounce of care or concern. I've never felt worse about myself in my entire life. Even now I get a pit in my stomach just thinking about it. The cruelty was just beyond. If you have any questions or want to share about this experience, I will totally share. That's, that's that's terrible and i it makes me upset because that that's da so damaging that stays with you like that's terrible messaging it's the same <sighs> i'm trying not to like get upset when i hear bad stories but like it makes me feel bad like you know glorifying and heralding sororities when like stuff like this happens that like i just can't i would never stand by it's it's such garbage and i hate when garbage people infiltrate organizations and make them something that they're not at all supposed to be like no national chapter would condone that whatsoever no university would condone that that's so messed up and like i'm sure now you know i don't know if now you would rat them out i'd be interested to know and not rat them out but like properly tell tell somebody that and get them punished because like people don't realize the psychological damage those things do that's so messed up and i am so so sorry like that's you know the girl earlier that said like that whose grandmother was in a founding member of a sorority it was kind of like well did like sometimes people make me feel a certain way and it's horrible enough and like and i thought they should have been reported for making her feel that way i don't even know if they said anything the fact that they said this to you is unconscionable and i'm so so sorry my god Whew. i feel weird like breathing through stories when some are so terrible but um Hi, Kate. Quick but funny story for you. Um, this is going to take me a minute to get recover from. Um, quick but funny story for you. Uh, when I was going through recruitment in college, I was beyond nervous and had a horrible weekend being dropped from every sorority I loved and felt absolutely not good enough. Finally, preference round comes around and I fell in love with one of the sororities. I was so nervous and wearing heels way too high. And as I was talking to a beautiful senior about something probably trivial... My stomach dropped and I ran out of the room to throw up from nerves. The rule was that you get automatically dropped if you leave the room. And all I wanted at that time was to be in that sorority. I cried the whole day until bid day because everything when you're 18 is the end of the world. But I didn't get dropped and I did get a bid from that sorority. Now my story is lore for recruitments to come. Oh, God, that ended on a positive note. Thank God. Phew. Um, that is a funny story. And I'm glad it ended in your favor. And also... I don't remember that rule. I guess it makes sense. But also then a la Lauren earlier, who tried to sabotage her friend's uh, council position or whatever, or vice versa. Um, 
I'm surprised people wouldn't use those rules to sabotage people and be like, you know, if they wanted to kick somebody out without, um, you know, having to do it themselves, be like, hey, girl, can you give me water? And then the person walks out and they're done. So. Um, hey, love the podcast quick story that was so upsetting at the time. It makes me LOL. Freshman year, we were pledging and trying to come up with our pledge class Halloween costume. First Halloween at college. First Halloween as sorority girls. It was extremely important. Should we be sexy black cats, cops and robbers? Um, well, our dreams were dashed when we got in trouble by our pledge mom. And as punishment, we had to be ghosts for Halloween. Not cute ghosts. <laughs> Literal sheet over the head with only a hose for eye- holes for eyes ghosts. Pretty sure our older sisters just threw in some justification that not being able to tell us apart would bring us closer together as sisters as we repented for whatever thing we'd gotten in trouble for. She doesn't even know why they got in trouble. Have you ever tried to navigate a fraternity dance floor with a sheet over your head? <laughs> I mean, I just would have had to resist the urge to, like, talk about booze and, like, sing Usher Feet Alicia Keys, my boo. A lot of great ghost puns you could have had up in there. Otherwise, Ms. Slash, you were definitely being hazed if you had no idea why you got in trouble. Um, I, know, I love your podcast, Consolence. Wish you lived in Dallas because I'm certain that you, Merritt, Beck, Courtney Kerr, and I would be friends. <laughs> totally. What a good girl gang. Um, I was one of those people who didn't get their dream house when they rushed as a freshman. I wanted Theta so bad and opened my bid card and it was for 80 Pi and I burst into tears because I was exhausted and two thought I was I thought 80 Pi was stupid. My Gamma Kai urged me to go ahead and I guess that's like a Rogam or a Rokai. Um, urged me to go ahead and go to the bid day celebration and see what I thought. I cried the whole run to the house because, yes, after a week of exhausting conversations and judgment, you have to run a half mile to the house. I got to the house and my mom had been crying because she knew how upset I was going to be. I tried to keep it together and found another girl who looked equally as miserable. We sat at a table with her family for lunch and the chapter president starts telling the parents that they need to pay a $500 deposit before the end of the celebration. And the girl who was equally as miserable as me shouts to her dad, Dad, don't pay it. I am not staying here. (laughs) I whispered to my dad what she said. I decided that I wasn't going to stay and then went back to Rush next year as a sophomore. I went to this college. um, It's a really small Greek community. Uh, I wanted Theta this time and had my friends. Oh, sorry. I keep saying, sorry. I feel like it doesn't matter as long as you don't know the school. Um, uh, I go the first day of Russia. My Gamma Kai calls me that night and tells me I've been released by all the houses except for Theta and ZTA. I wasn't even that upset. And I just thought, hell yes, I don't have to go to those stupid parties. I got all the way to prep day with Zeta and Theta and Zeta on my list. And I had opened my schedule for prep day and I saw that I only had Zeta remaining. I, of course, is a mess, but damn it, I've gone through too much to quit. So I went to the Zeta prep party and was visibly reeling and upset. The girl rushing me at Zeta asked what was wrong. And of course, I didn't want to say that I got cut from Theta. So I just blurted out, I just want to be a Zeta so bad. Turns out Zeta was the best choice for me. I went to bid day and made, made lifelong friends. But what a journey to get there. <laughs> wow. What a lot of drama. I think that happens to a lot of people is like either they don't get their first house or they maybe think they made the wrong choice. And anytime something's unfamiliar, it's like you're terrified, but it always works out for the best. Um, I need to quickly remind you, um, this, this episode is brought to you by one of my favorite sponsors, which is Wink. It is a wine subscription company that you, where you take a, an online uh, flavor profile test. You know, I'm into like these quizzes that personalize experiences for you. I'm much more into something that is personally curated and not objectively curated. And uh, it sends you four wines a month. And I, I'm i not reading off a script here. And I know this probably isn't like the greatest pitch. Um, I'm, in a, I'm in a weird emotional place for these stories, guys. Uh, but honestly, like, I love it. I get sent four wines a month. 
they're always different and rotating, but I can still get the same ones if I want them. And like I bring them to friends' houses and I don't feel weird like bringing them Charles Shaw or like um, what's what's the one from uh, Whole Foods called like Whispering Well, uh, which my husband loves to buy. What 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 a treat. What what a, what a romance. And um, it's like two ninety nine. And anyway, I just love the service. I think it's awesome. If you go to trywink.com and take the quiz and use code be there in five number five be there in number five at checkout. You'll get $22 off your box and then you'll get four wines for very inexpensive price relative to what they're worth. And you might as well try it for a month and it's not like going to rope you and you can cancel anytime. So seriously, just try it for one month and then tell me what you like. Cause I've been asking listeners and polling um, which ones people like, so I can pick them next time. Cause you also, they can, you pick the number of whites and reds. Um, so I don't really love white. So I get three reds and one white to just like try, or in case it's like hot or in case I don't want vampire mouth. And um, I'd be interested if any of you guys like some of the whites enough that aren't too sweet and you can tell me what to get. It's kind of I don't know. It's just a fun thing. I've always wanted a wine sponsor and I think they're great. And I want to do more like tasting videos um, soon because it's my favorite thing ever. And maybe uh, I'll have you guys contribute. It'd be so fun. But um, anyways, yeah. So try Wink, W-I-N-C, sorry, T-R-Y-W-I-N-C dot com. Take the quiz, just see what they say, and use code there in 5 for $22 off. Get four bottles of wine based off your custom taste profile, and you might just find something new that you love. It's a great way to learn about wine, have fun. They'll give you a brochure, tell you all about it. I will be drinking all four of those bottles shortly after recording this episode. Ooh, <laughs> it's been a tough one, guys. <laughs> um, this person said, my favorite part of Rush was when we would discuss potential members end of day, and it had to be positive, negative, positive. An example. Mary is from my high school, so I know she was active in extracurricular activities. She was also active with every guy in her class and effed no less than five guys a week. But she must be really good at time management to do that plus drama club. <laughs> a plus for delivery. <laughs> I would have so much more fun with it now. A, that I'm a nicer person, but B, that I think I've sharpened my saw humor-wise, and I would have, like actually gotten such a kick out of doing this because i would have you, you you there's people you just genuinely don't like and that are like rude and clearly don't want to be in your house and those are the people that you could you know take a little more creative liberty with their positives and negatives um this one is entitled avocado scandal i was part of a relatively small chapter and we actually had a cook and meal plan in the house damn daddy warbucks over here um they'd keep snacks and leftovers around for us in the kitchen one night someone or someone's can't Someone or someone's boyfriend, I think, came home from the frat parties and smashed avocados all over the kitchen. Didn't eat them, just vandalized things and left the mess. The next day, the standards chair and president was so angry and implored the avocado vandal to come forward and take responsibility. But no one ever owned up. The entire chapter was fined six dollars per person. Today, to this day, no one knows who slashed the avocados. The stuff of legend, stuff of legends. That is specific. And um, what's incredible is that I would have been off the hook because I'm allergic. But also. To smash avocados, were there rampant pits all over? I actually, I actually thought that you also um, is aren't they pretty hard to cut? Like avocado hands, the thing that affects millions of families every year. In addition to knee locking, I know Andy Dorfman has been a victim. So would they have to have deliberately, drunkenly sliced them, cored them, and then smashed them? I'm not sure. I don't know enough about avocados. But that's amazing. Oh, finally, oh, let's get, let's let's get to a positive story, gang. Um, Hey, Kate, I'm sure you're getting loads and loads of horrible, cringeworthy stories from Greek life, but I wanted to share a great one. My senior year, I was chief recruitment officer of 
um, blank, and had spent all summer and spring semester preparing for our recruitment workshops when my little sister across the county was diagnosed with a rare cancer and had to immediately undergo surgery. My chapter came together and flew me to Atlanta to be with my father and ran the recruitment workshops without me. In addition to this, the sorority headquarters paid for my next semester dues, my books, and even gave me money to be able to fly out to visit her again. This was all done with me without me knowing about it, and it was called the Sisters Supporting Sisters Program. Okay, I love this, and thank you for sending this in because I think this is a very important thing to highlight that is very real. And um, I know our chapter did a lot of that too when the prayer requests were legit and we were actually like fundraising and helping out sisters who were going through dire times. And I remember that meaning a lot to me to think that if something ever happened, I had the support system built in, not even necessarily if they were my best friends, but that's when that organizational camaraderie comes in and people put their differences aside and are willing to support another person because they have that common identification. And those are the moments that are so important to highlight and so wonderful. And please, all these funny stories aside, remember stuff like that, because that's far more, far more important. I remember uh, an example of like that happening for me was um, our junior year. So some of you guys may or may not know, um, I went to Virginia Tech and I was a sophomore um, on April 16th. Uh, when there was the worst, you know, campus shooting of all time. It's horrible. I don't love to talk about it. Um, and it, it was very, uh, I try so hard for it to not define any aspect of my college experience, but it's impossible not to. And so many of like, uh, my, uh, my fears and my, uh, high alertness and nervousness and like public and crowds and like, there's just so many things that are rooted in that experience. And there's so many, um, everyone dealt with it very differently and uh, without getting too far into it. Um, also if that kind of like highlights to you, like, I don't love to, you know, obviously there's like horrible stuff that goes on in the world. Um, and I am just as angry as all of you are when any, uh, tragedy strikes. Uh, but it is also, all the more uh, deeply upsetting whenever it, that sort of thing happens now because the only solace we had at the time was thinking about the preventative measures that could be taken so that never happened again. And obviously since 2007, it has happened so many, so many times. And it's like one of those things that even, I don't know, it's, it's incomprehensible um, to me. It's still having lived through that and, Anyways, I don't mean to bring up something heavy in the middle of this. I just, I don't know, whatever. It's, it's hard to talk about college otherwise. And um, the being in the sorority was like so important during that time for, for support. Everybody was very hurt and confused and lost and scared. Um, uh, there, there is no hell quite like living through your emails. Um, uh, the... You think you don't care about people, and then you're in a situation where you're refreshing your email every two seconds because it it was it, we had to do a head count, and the cell towers were down, and every um, time somebody we had to you know email the sorority or get in touch with somebody to let them know we were okay, and throughout the day. You just waited to hear like so and so's okay, so and so's okay. We heard from so and so, and you just like the you, you, you guys get it. The head count via email about literal lives is just something that like 
I, I was a sophomore, and uh, it's so like I, I don't know. I've thought about that in a long time. Um, sorry, uh, but it's stuff like that where you need community and you need a safe place to go, and you need people around you and you need people with the same experience you've had and it's just something horrible that we all shared and I just remember feeling very safe with my sorority sisters and um yeah uh anyway why was I talking about that oh um uh oh yeah okay so the next fall uh, one of the, which was very, very nice, um, Dave Matthews Band and John Mayer did a free concert for all the students at Virginia Tech, um, kind of in response to the tragedy to do something nice. And uh, I, my brother was driving down from Cleveland. And at the time I hadn't, I didn't, you know, we were, our, our whole lives were very like brother, sister, like poked at each other, didn't really get along that well. I, then he went to college, and then I went to college, and, you know, we hadn't really formed an adult relationship yet, but the um, one thing we always connected with, on was kind of like pop culture and music. I f- feel like we probably shared, like, the same LimeWire library or something, and I learned a lot about music from him. He's actually musical, and I'm not. Um, he can, like, play instruments and stuff, and uh, he loved uh, Dave Matthews' band, and John Mayer at the time, I don't know if he still does, to be honest, but um, I assume so. But those two playing together was like, you know, a very cool thing and, I, you know, kind of unusual. And, um, you know, I think he was, you know, events like that kind of uh, mend fences in a way, right? Like, I feel like we were better, better after that summer and after kind of like, I feel like he put out was I guess what I'm saying is he was putting out more effort I think to like spend time with me and it meant a lot to me and um this isn't this part isn't sad um but anyway I just really like I really wanted to go to this concert and I I really love Dave Matthews band and John Mayer I still do I still I'm a big John Mayer fan Dave Matthews I kind of go in and out of depending on how like you know fratty I'm feeling that day but anyway so he drove down from Cleveland I lost my ticket I couldn't find it anywhere and uh I was just like so upset. And then one of my sorority sisters was like, you know what? Like, I'm not a huge fan. Like, I was just going because all of our friends were going. It means so much to you. Like, just take my ticket. Just go. And I was like, I, I can't. Like, no. And she's like, seriously, like, if, if you don't go, I'm not going to go. It's not my thing. You go. And I knew she wanted to go. And after all this back and forth, I ended up going and going with my brother. And it was something I'll like always remember. And it was important to me. And like, I just still like really appreciate that. And I, it's so small, but it meant something bigger to me. It was like, it was kind of uh, something they were doing to help people like heal and to do something fun to look forward to. And it was a point of connection I could connect on with my brother. He had driven so far. And for me to like clumsily lose it, I would have felt so bad. And anyway, <laughs> later I found it. <laughs> I found it in one of my books, which goes to show why I never found it because I didn't open my books. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, okay, sorry guys, that took a turn. Onward and upward. Um, okay, I'm good. Um, random. I just got a. Somebody sent me like a screenshot of of a like a text chain. And somebody said, 
So just an FYI, Cheyenne told me that apparently some seniors were talking about eating peanut butter before they got on the bus to mask the smell of alcohol in their breath. So if we smell like peanut butter, they're not going to let us go. Just an FYI. <laughs> That's like a great example of how things getting blown out of proportion. Like somebody either said it offhandedly like as a joke, was quoting a movie or like it, it just totally what was absolutely nothing. And then one snitch overhears it, says everyone's doing it. And then like, you know, not only are there like sniffers sniffing the cups in the living rooms, there's like sniffers sniffing your mouth when you get on the bus. Like the peanut butter is something people eat a lot of in college because it's inexpensive. And like, you know, it has protein. What if somebody just had a cash PB and banana gets on the bus? Can't go to formal. That's so rude. Um, since said our friend was recruitment chair, but she never, ever handled stress well. She was one of those girls who wouldn't eat and would run around frantically trying to make everything perfect. She definitely couldn't handle recruitment chair stress and started taking caffeine pills while, like Jesse. Um, <laughs> oh, one night during practice, uh, I think for second invite, she had a full on Jesse Spano freak out moment on our grand staircase. Were you even a sorority house if you didn't have a grand staircase? I didn't have a grand staircase. I had, like a stupid you know, like an industrial staircase with like two huge doors in the hall with those, you know, big bumper push in things. And it's like an echoey stairwell, a stairwell. I did not have a grand staircase. I had a stair a well. And, you know, I I kind of I think it would have been fun to have like a proper, nice, beautiful house. But also with that, I feel like comes the more intense sororities that I definitely wouldn't have done well in. Um. Anyways. She started yelling at everyone because we weren't getting our song right. And she was like, guys, I'm so excited. I'm so excited for this. And she just kept repeating about how excited she was and broke down on the stairs. <laughs> kind of fashion ambitionist style. Granted, she didn't tell Zach she was so scared, but it was close. That's amazing. Did she actually take caffeine pills? If so, that's awesome. And also fashion ambitionist. Great reference. Love that you're a listener. <laughs> Uh, secondly, again, during recruitment, we were practicing for first invite. And at a point, we all have to jump high and high clap in the air and sync. Well, I can't do that. I literally have zero rhythm and zero coordination. I'm cute. Weird calling yourself that. So they didn't want to hide me completely in the back. Oh, my God. So bad. Um, but I couldn't be front and center due to my lack of jump clap skills. Of course, I messed it up, up again. And the chair was like, everyone, we have to start over because her name can't do it. One of my good friends at the time turned to me in front of everyone and said, why don't you just give us the $1,500 and miss all of these to save yourself the time and embarrassment? I just burst into tears at that point because I couldn't take it anymore. I cracked like Gretchen Wieners under pressure. Um, also, one of your good friends turned to, turned to me in front of everyone and said, why don't you just give us the $1,500 and miss all of these to save yourself and us the time and embarrassment for jump claps? Also, how did you fare in a, in a casual jumping jack during the presidential fitness exam? Uh, that, that's a tough. Um, can you can you pat your head and rub your belly? That's an interesting disconnection. <laughs> Not to shame you. I've never had to jump clap. And frankly, I don't think I could ever take myself seriously again if I did. Um, let's see. Good morning. I was standards for this sorority. As you know, we had to bring girls into standards that they were below a certain GPA. I don't remember. This is the same way for all of my all of this sorority. But we had a standards board made of the president, the risk management position and elected women from each grade. So the board was seven people. Spring semester, of my junior year, uh, I had just been elected and we br we had to bring in a ton of people who didn't make grades. One in particular stands out. Um, her name was let's call her Susie Q. She was a freshman, so she only had one semester under her belt. Most of the time, standards was pretty lenient on the freshmen as they adjust to college, et cetera. So we bring Susie Q and ask what happened. 
I think she had like a 1.9 GPA, so it was hard to be lenient. So she just dives into the story about how she was in a car accident in high school. If you were visualizing, she had a very thick Southern accent. She had been having all these problems with her foot and can't study. All the excuses in the world. Well, someone, I guess, asked her what she was doing to take care of her foot. And she said, if you I'll do it in the accent. If you don't believe you can stick a fire poker through my foot and I wouldn't feel a thing. <laughs> she missed her deeds. <laughs> oh, my God. She just, <laughs> she just goes, well, if you remember Adam Sandler movie, Mr. Deeds, I come out like five or six years before this. All I can think about is Adam Sandler sticking a fire poker through the butler's foot that was black and dead looking. It takes everything in me to stay composed and get Susie Q out of the room before we all just bust out laughing. I mean, we have tears streaming down our faces. I can't breathe. It took a solid 10 minutes for us all to calm down and decide on a punishment. We get Susie Q back in and tell her what we decided. She was upset and said she heard us laughing and asked us why. She looked to be on the verge of tears. I panicked and said that our president... Sorry, I have issues with this word. It's I, it's just like a thing, like kind of like um, M-O-I-S-T. Um, she, she said her president, F-A-R-T-E-D... And sorry, I'm literally such a loser. And um, after receiving death stares from my very good friend, the president, who is still one of my best friends today, she concurred concurred and we got sorry, this is choppy. I keep accidentally saying the person's name. She concurred and we got Susie Q out without making her feel like a freak. I mean, I guess that's a nice thing to do. It's the that's the problem is it's funny. And like the car accident's bad. And like if she's telling the truth, it's bad. But you know, I know what you mean when somebody's telling so many excuses and you're like, what? And then to what however inadvertent it was, bring up a Mr. Deeds reference, especially specifically with with the fire poker. But I would have picked a different tool. I would pick, you know, anything, a lead pipe, a, a, a stick, a, a, an ice pick. I don't know. There's a lot of things you can stick through your foot besides a fire poker if you're not making a deeds reference. <laughs> that was pretty funny. Um uh, this person was talking about how they, at her story, they had to do check-ins at the house before mixers or cocktails to pull themselves together and talk to their super old-fashioned and classy house mom. She decided uh, at her country Christmas cocktail, cowboy boots, Christmas sweaters, tinsel, tinsel huge bows, etc. She was blackout and had a water bottle of vodka tucked into her skirt. She ran into her house mom and she decided to tell her all about the boy she was planning to hook up with after the cocktail and got called to standards the next day. Um, the checking into the house, apparently she had to, you had to check into the house after pre-gaming and before we went to the cocktail location. It was the biggest shit show ever. The poor sober sisters watching over us would order pizza to be at the house for check-in so they knew we ate something. LOL. This is called a walking contract. Literally why? Okay, see, that's so interesting to me because like, the that's like walking contract check-ins is a strict policy but the fact that sisters were like bringing pizza and like drinking was widely known and like you know preventative measures were taken you know what i mean it's almost like you would think in that context you would actually be strict about drinking but to just cover it up is is oh so sorority um someone sent me an attachment of their that their university panel on it council made us deal with for the beverages they serve during recruitment. All we wanted to do was serve plain Milo's lemonade from the grocery store. And this was the response we got. Needless to say, we didn't serve lemonade. Um, what is the, and the email says, okay, so this is from a Panhellenic council member. So the governing organization of all the sororities about recruitment and about what the beverages they served. And it says, <laughs> recruitment update. I wanted to let you know, there's already another chapter that is serving lemonade during sisterhood round. We have one chapter that is serving it with blueberries in a mason jar and another that is serving it frozen. I am confident that the presentation will be very different, but wanted y'all to be aware. I mean, (laughs) 
that like, if that were my job, I mean, I know this is my job, which, you know, isn't that important to the rest of the world, but like for it to be typed so frankly and seriously and, and her concern that your lemonade would be indistinguishable. I mean, I guess that's kind, but it also is so alarmingly pathetic and it's amazing. Um, she said another story is um, we had 52 girls living in the house sharing three fridges. 52 girls is a lot. Um, we had a good bandit that would eat leftovers girls saved in the fridge and people would complain in our group me. I think that's like a text chain um, app. Uh, well, we got a listserv email to the entire chapter one day from an angry ha- house girl in all caps that said, Whoever ate my leftover sushi, congrats. I coughed up a loogie in my spicy mayo. Disgusting. Ew. There's no way she did that. Do you think she really did that? Or she was just trying to make the person feel bad? I hope so. That's so gross. I can't believe I forgot to submit this when you were asking for stories. But when you were talking about the XXX commenting on the inappropriate pics, it reminded me that our standards used to comment in all caps PEARL on our bad pics. (laughs) Even though it was like a thick verse of already, it stood for please exemplify a real lady. <laughs> That's awesome. We had like a, if you were at a bar and acting a fool or like out of any function or really any third party place anywhere and you were super drunk, out of line, whatever, you'd get tapped on the shoulder and we're told like this person wants to see you in the other room. And the person was like the name of um, somebody like some sister from like the 1800s. You know what? I just realized there's pictures like everywhere. <laughs> we put them on T-shirts. It's not private, clearly, unless it is, in which case we're so rude. Um, but it was like if you did something bad, you'd get tapped on the shoulder and they'd be like, Minnie Mae wants to see you. So when like Senior Crawl came around, we made T-shirts with like poor Minnie Mae's like face on the back, uh, like an ancient photo. And it's on the front. It said, Minnie Mae me, I dare you. And um, now that I think about it, if that's like ritual, that was really rude of us. But there is a picture of me doing the splits in the front of this photo that I'll post for you. Um, Anywho, recruitment was my least favorite time to be a part of my sorority. They made us all wear girdles that went from under our bras to above our underwear, even the size, the tiny size zero girls. The excuse was they make your clothes fall better. Then every morning they would make us lift up our shirts to prove we had them on. Otherwise, we got fined. And then we'd have to kneel in front of our couches to talk with the potential new members. So are required for so in our required for $140 low cut seven jeans and polo shirts you'd have to be careful not to lean or slouch otherwise the girdle would be visible i i would be interested to know when you went to school i cannot imagine them being allowed to do that now well i should rephrase i feel like i f- i don't know if we were we had to wear spanks but honestly i do think it was positioned because of smoothing but i also do wear them because of smoothing like I think Spanx, like, I don't know if it wouldn't have been required, though. Like, I wouldn't be offended if somebody asked me to wear them just because it it kind of just, I don't know, makes everything more streamlined. But that's like the logic of somebody who's like really warped into thinking they just don't want you to be like sucked in. So maybe I'm I'm a victim of this sort of sort of thinking. Yeah, it's awful. I mean, especially to check and to make everyone wear them. And I don't know. It's like, yeah, it's such a problem. It, it, It the thing is, like. There's what would happen is I think people that didn't always put their best foot forward appearance wise in an effort to be sensitive. That, I mean, that's like the worst word in an effort to like not call somebody out. Like, let's say somebody like always had their T's out, like just had no regard for like how deep a V was. 
and we wanted to like look more conservative during recruitment, instead of being like, yo, tuck your T's in, they'd probably make an announcement to the entire sorority that we had to wear crew neck T-shirts. So it's like to correct for minor things, they would make these sweeping um, rules. Uh, but I don't I feel like the something with like sucking you in or weight wasn't anything we did. I feel like we were like encouraged to like maybe spray tan. But other than that, I'm not really sure. A lot of people said they like had to put Vaseline on their teeth, like beauty pageant style. I mean, I I hope they're not doing <laughs> anything with like how clothes fit anymore. But like, who's to say? It's wild. My sorority had the meanest alum in charge of our standards, and I've never been more scared of someone in my whole life. She was a 30-something lawyer who had time to yell at college girls in her free time. <laughs> on bid day, no one is allowed to drink. But it is tradition that the seniors get drunk beforehand, naturally. Afterwards, we all got called into standards to be punished. I was one of the last to go before standards, and the alum decided to take out everything on me, and I've never cried harder. It was terrifying. As a punishment, the 15 of us had to stand up at the next chapter meeting and give a PowerPoint presentation on our core values and safe drinking practices and try not to laugh. Honestly, if you still have that PowerPoint, send it to me because it's amazing. I love punishments that are like, can't somebody see through that? Like, you guys are just going to have so much fun doing that. I kind of would have loved that. I would have really made those transitions sharp or perhaps not sharp and made them that like weird blurry zoom out thing and be like, this is what it's like when you're drinking. And the other thing, too, is I never had a council position. I was I had like a job, but I wasn't like an executive board member that required being way too involved. But um, I was something called the chaplain and the chaplain is like the uh, the clergyman of the <laughs> chapter who closes out the meeting. But at the time, I was very concerned with, um, you know, providing secular messaging. And I would just read off quotes by like, I don't know, Beyonce or E.E. E. Cummings to name two very similar people. And um but what I had also very, uh, you know, speaking of corruption in the church, I would tailor the message to, you know, really support my friend group based on the drama that went down in the meeting. So if it was like, hey, ladies, stop dancing on tables, no elevated surfaces, two feet on the floor at a given time. I, you know, I saw your ass last night at Tots. I'd be like, OK, ladies, as we close out this week, just, you know, please remember uh, one Theodore Geisel so famously said, Dr. Seuss. Be who you are and say what you feel because those who mind don't matter and those who matter don't mind. And I'd like shoot daggers at the people that like didn't matter and then give a supporting closed mouth, knowing smile to my friends that I didn't think they should really mind what the others thought because it got to a point where I was like, oh, my God, people are so such sticklers. Like, I don't know at what point in life you learn the cardinal rule, like snitches get stitches, like relax. People that tell on people for these innocuous things are, are so annoying. And then people that get up and talk about them in meetings as if we all don't know who you're talking about is like even worse. And um, my section as chaplain was particularly awesome because I got to uh, bring in prayer requests and prayer requests are often very legitimate, but they're also very often um, an opportunity to get as much attention as possible you know, th there would be your, your your sad things, you know, people having a hard time, wanting support as they got through. I think it was a great time for people to be like, hey, I'm going through some stuff. Maybe take it easy on me. But it was also a time for people to very, <laughs> very misguided intentions of, of, you know, maybe bragging about themselves, maybe, you know, trying to make sure we all knew that somebody else had done something horrible and to like pray for their soul. 
um, you know, somebody would get up and be like, my whole life I've just like strived for perfection. And like, it's just so hard for me to always get A's and like, in you know, organic chemistry right now, I'm like teetering on a B plus, And like, I just asked for your T's and P's during this difficult time. Cause I'm like usually literally perfect. And I'd be like, okay, maybe you wouldn't have a B plus if you didn't spend eight hours decorating a cooler for an overnight fraternity formal. And yeah, I'm jealous cause I've never been invited. And instead of going to the formal, me and my friends like just drove to Lexington, Virginia and went antiquing. But that was cool. We had a great time. We listened to the fray all the way there and back to the point where I fell asleep. It was one of the best naps of my life. I still remember it to this day. If, if you have heated seats, truly, your passenger is, is in for the ride of their life. And by that, I mean, they're just going to doze off and you're screwed. But, you know, my friend had a really nice car and I loved cruising in it. And really, those prayer requests, like the, the one thing that would drive me insane is that people would use it as an opportunity to call somebody out for something they had done or to call out the chapter as a whole for like not being good enough. And they would either get on a chair or read a letter they wrote and would be like, I would like to, you know, I'd like to say a prayer for the integrity of our chapter. And it's like, Oh my God, are you really going to use, you know, religion? Like this is the sacred time to be pushing your agenda of passive aggression because you know, Beth puked in the foyer. Like, relax. We're 20. It's fine. I, I, that, that is what I couldn't stand. It's like, it's not love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control and passive aggression. It, the time was meant to be positive and that, but I know like governing power. I was just supposed to be like a nice person that like gave everybody a nice message. And, uh, you know, if I have one regret, it's, it's, it's not pushing back on people using that time for their own, like, personal garbage because there was real stuff going on that we needed real prayers for. And granted, I know I was saying I was pushing a secular agenda while simultaneously arguing for the, you know, wholesomeness and and Jesus like way we should be speaking during prayer requests. But, you know, that's what the church is. It is full of contradictions. (laughs) But anyway, I, uh, I, the only thing, the other thing from being chaplain that is like my favorite thing ever um, I mean, not ever, but like, it just, I don't know why it stands out to me is just this one girl chose to stand up and like share somebody else's misfortune in case they forgot to ask for their own prayer, prayer request. But like, if somebody needs a prayer and isn't like, you know, announcing their situation, maybe it's cause they want to keep it like private or maybe because I don't know, it's emotional for them. <laughs> and it was a day when there was particularly, you know, there's no you know, very low prayer requests. It's kind of cricket. So, you know, she's trying to add to it. And she stands up and I'll just call this other girl, Stephanie. Um, and she was like, Stephanie, your cat died. Guys, prayers for Stephanie. Her cat just died. And she's not she's not telling us. But Stephanie, remember, your cat died. Like, I don't remember the exact verbiage. All I, all I remember is like the tone in which she was like, your cat died. And we we're all like, oh, my God, maybe she doesn't want to talk about it. Like, maybe it's really sad. Like. Why are you choosing to give offer a prayer request for? And I just, we just, it was, I don't know. In my head, it was so funny because it was just like, you know, dead, died, dying, RIP, rigor mortis. Your cat is buried in the ground. Aren't you sad? You should tell the entire chapter so we can pray for you. And I just can't, you, you, you just don't need to be like, Susie, you forgot to tell the chapter you have irritable bowel syndrome and you're dealing with a flare up. Like, why, why would you announce somebody else's misfortune when they're choosing to be private? cracks me up to this day, less about the content and more about the delivery and concept of <laughs> volunteering somebody's private information, but pray for the integrity of this podcast. Cause we got to get through some of these, this commentary. 
So one thing that I every like a lot of people said was that when you smoked a cigarette, you'd be sitting and or leaning on something, not standing still and not walking. And I posed this question on Instagram last night because I was like, what is this rule? Because I went to school in the South and I don't remember ever hearing that. But also, I don't know if any of us smoked. But people said, um, yeah, we had a rule that you were not allowed to light your own cigarette. You had to guide someone's hand to your cigarette, guessing this was very old and that someone was supposed to be male. I mean, that's insane. Like, if you want to look normal, light your own cigarette. If you want to look crazy, have a cig hanging out of your mouth like those memes about Jay Cutler. And like, I mean, if you want, it's like, if you want to look normal, you smoke a cigarette and light it yourself. If you want to look absolutely insane, walk around town like with your arms out, walking dead, looking willy nilly for anybody who might have a lighter to light your cigarette as if you are like the little match girl and need all you desperately need is a small amount of fire to keep you warm. It's like, no, the, the, that's insane. The likelihood of somebody being nearby to light your cigarette is crazy, but it must be a rule from a time where it was like strictly social. Somebody else said, um, smoking like a lady was a rule, but also never let a beer bottle touch your lips, drink from a glass or cup only. To which I said, what about cans? And people said, no cans. I mean, guys, you went through some hard times. I definitely drank out of beer bottles. Bottles to me are, you know, when you know you got the nice stuff. Uh, it's it, it's like most places had Beast or Natty Light, but, you know, randomly I'd like go to somebody's house, they'd have a fridge full of Rolling Rock, and I'd be like, do you want to get married? Like, who are you, money bags? Like, I couldn't even believe it. Now I would never, ever choose a Rolling Rock. I would never choose a Bud Light. I have another episode where I go in on Bud Light, but uh, it's, it is definitely interesting what we thought was like, High quality. It was the rule. This person said, if you insist on doing something so unladylike, you better. Oh, this person said the reason that you had to, when you were smoking, you had to be sitting or leaning on something and not standing still and not walking um, was because if you insist on doing something so unladylike, you better stay in one place where less people see you when you're sat down and you're less visible and cross your legs. So at least you look like a lady who might be having an unfortunate last lapse in judgment. <laughs> oh my God. Also don't smoke in your letters ever. Yeah. No smoking, no drinking. Even if 21, we had that too. Sophomore year, me and my sisters were in this dorm the first week of school pre rush. And we invited some freshman girls I knew who we wanted to rush, which is a big no, but obviously everyone does that. One of the girls brought her roommate who stole my bottle of Burnett's and legit drank the entire thing. She was clearly too drunk, so we did the right thing and dropped her off at her dorm and tucked her in on her way to Sigma Chi. No big deal. She got up to throw up in the bathroom at some point, and her RA found her and asked where she had gotten so much alcohol. In an effort to save her own ass, she told her RA that the pie fies that made her do it. They forced me to drink the whole bottle. Uh, no, like I would have given away an entire bottle of alcohol to some girl I don't even know. I love it. That's your justification. Agree. I had a handle of aristocrat under my bed that I would mix with sparkling ice, a fine... Uh, flavored sparkling water from Costco that still exists. Um, the next day at rush practice, we did door stacks and over the head clapping for two hours while our president screamed for whoever forced that girl to drink her weight in vodka to come forward. Obviously, everyone knew it was me because we were somewhat of a rowdy group. We were convinced that we were going to get kicked out and were so scared, but of course came forward. They skipped standards but brought it in front of the panhellenic board i think we ended up getting a date function take it away and me and like my six friends had to split a 500 dollars fine dumb obviously we blackballed that freshman another one is um funniest moment out of all those years of rush was during a membership slideshow where we looked at pictures of all 1500 girls going through rush 
One girl's pit comes up and some rude-ass girl stands up and says, that girl is nocturnal. This is what we call girls that were promiscuous because, you know, nationals frowns upon you using the word slut when you're in ritual. She then proceeds to tell a story about how she heard this girl had sex in a sonic parking lot in high school. A senior behind me goes, we've all done that. Who gives a fuck? Bid. <laughs> Again, I just I love those like small things. It's like, yeah, <laughs> I love the specificity of she should not get in because she had sex in a sonic parking lot. If it were an Arby's, would it have been OK? Hard to say. Uh, the tough part about Sonic is that there is a lot of activity in the parking lot and cameras and speakers. Uh, so, you know, if anything, bold move. Respect. Also, one time in an effort to stop us from being so sloppy when we went out, our advisors board, adults, put together a slideshow of all the drunk pics of us that had been sent into standards to show at a chapter meeting. Obviously extremely embarrassing because in a sorority that big, my pledge class alone was 150. You're not super close with everyone. So judgmental people who aren't even your friends are seeing you up on that screen. They showed us pics of girls with their tits popping out of their shirts, covered in throw up or passed out in frat house bathrooms. Seriously effed up way to punish a bunch of 19 year old girls. Glad I did it, but also glad to be out of the hell that is sorority life. Pan hell love. <laughs> oh, yeah. And this is like one of the first emails I got. I was like, wait, what are door stacks? And she told me, I, I, I know now I understand, but we didn't, to my knowledge, stack ourselves facing forward in front of the door like a lot of schools do. We were just like in a like a line, like a tunnel of people you'd walk through. Um, now for a, a tougher story, scary story. There's a local bar that served underage sorority girls. It was a big hangout for the football players whom were gods at my university. I went for the first and only time as a sophomore. A bunch of my sorority sisters were sitting at a table drinking with some football players. One of the most popular and talented players offered me his beer. I drank half of it and started feeling pretty drunk. I drank over the year and to know I was drunker than I would normally feel. So I called my boyfriend to pick me up. He was pissed how drunk I was in public underage and dropped me off at my sorority house. I woke up early the next morning feeling gross and wanted to splash water on my face. I ended up laying on the hallway floor and bleeding from my head. I had gotten out of bed, passed out, and hit my head in the built-in wood bed frame, stumbled down the hall, banged into the large composite pictures, and passed out on the floor. My sisters, still dressed in their party clothes from the night before, rushed into the hallway. I ended up getting several staples in my head. Turned out that I had been roofied at the bar and that football player had called and texted my phone at least 30 times after I left. I hadn't even given my number. I didn't report any of it because I didn't want to get all my sorority sisters in trouble for drinking underage at the bar. The football player ended up being accused of rape by two women the time by the time I graduated. Several of my sorority sisters also alleged that they had been sexually assaulted by him but never reported it because of the fear of being in trouble for their surroundings and his godlike status. He never saw any discipline other than being held off the team for assault and battery against some dudes. I still hold guilt about not reporting him. Maybe I could have prevented some of those sexual assaults from ever happening. It haunts me to this day. <sighs> yeah, that that is that's such a horrible story. And I it's such an important thing to think about because I think that happens way more often than we maybe even realize. And that's when. The element of, of, of groupthink, of protecting an organization, of being more loyal to an organization over your own health and safety, over the own health and safety of others, and over bringing justice and, and you know, having people that are absolute monsters face consequences. Those all need to transcend your loyalty to the organization. And any organization that is a good one and is the right one for you 
will have your back 10,000%. And I get that you don't want to get everybody in trouble, but like like you said, it's and here's the thing, I would have made the same decision in college and I hate saying that, but like I would have because I would have been scared more scared for the social implications because at that age you don't really you're not thinking as much about other people. You're thinking about how is this going to affect my life? It's like, okay, I'm fine now. I lived through it, whatever. And you kind of want to pretend like it didn't happen. This is why we need to believe victims. This is what how people rationalize. This is how fear drives people's decisions and who they decide to turn in. And if they decide to tell anybody, and this is why when they say these things 10 years later, nobody believes them. But the problem is at the time, you're you're not in the headspace to be making the most sound jurisdiction about what to do with the incident, the information and the person. But like her saying, I, you know, it, it kills me that I could have prevented this from happening to other people. She's thinking about it now, a decade later, because she has the clarity now and she's thinks differently now. And she's not in this microcosm where she thinks the world's going to come crashing down on her. Should she report this? And I don't know. It's just like so important, like for anybody, regardless of where you are, but especially if you're young and in a sorority or thinking about rushing one at any time, my God. Always, always, always prioritize your health, your safety, your well-being and the others around you. And especially in the event of sexual assault, anybody that makes you feel uncomfortable. My God, if you're freaking roofied, I cannot believe how many people I hear are roofied and never, ever say anything. That don't contact the bar, that don't ask them to review video footage, that don't do everything in their power to make sure these assholes are taken down. I don't know what you can do, but like so many people tell roofie stories and laugh and I'm like, oh my God, we need justice. Like, fuck these people. And I get that there's a, a you know, in a, like in this girl's case, not wanting to report it or whatever, but as a grown woman, I understand that you're kind of like, whoa, I, I, like I am a grown woman. How did that happen? There's an element of being like, what the hell? It's, it's a personal thing. And I don't want to tell anybody how to feel about it. But at the same time, if we're grown women, we need to be protecting women and we need these assholes behind bars and whatever even though they probably won't get behind bars from like reviewing footage and like reporting someone, I don't even know what would actually happen. At least you tried. And at least if anything, they'll get a little something on their record that this flag was even raised. I, I, I don't, maybe look at registered as a sex offender. I don't know. I just want, I don't want these people getting off scot-free. I don't want them to continue doing this at bars and getting away with it. Cause people are like, geez, I got too drunk or like, God, I wasn't paying enough attention. You blame yourself. Don't blame yourself. It's not you. It's nothing to do with you. Do not be embarrassed. Please, for the love of God, for womankind, turn these people in and bartenders watch these people like hawks. Make sure these people bear consequences and make sure we all look out for each other, strangers alike. They say that there's there's no more peaceful, pleasant, happy time than in a women's bathroom at 2 a.m. when everyone's just like, oh, my God, girl, you are beautiful. Like, you're gorgeous. I love your skirt. I love your eyeliner. Like, drunk girls are so sweet to each other. And I think that, like, we need to extend this by being a little bit more aware and open at times of what's going on around us. And like, it's scary that, you know, people would want to cover up for the athletes too. And I know that happens. And I'm hopeful that this day and age, especially with what's gone on at different universities, the priority is when reported to side with the victim and not to side with the person that's bringing in the school money or that will make the school, you know, have a bad reputation because it's just, it's so incredibly vile and unethical of any school to not prioritize their students' safety. But I guess that's why it's more important to probably go to law enforcement than than the university, or I guess go to both. But the university might tell you not to go to law enforcement, which is just, you know, absolutely terrible. Um, I have one from a girl that even she said this might be deep dive worthy that I think I'm going to read on Patreon as kind of a bonus. I might read some of the stuff that I got 
Like I, I had a few stories that are so, so long and, um, uh, I wanted to kind of read like shorter ones that I could move through. Um, but you know, I still want to follow up on. So I will read some of those on Patreon, not because it's anything I'm trying to like hide from the general public, just because that's what bonus episodes are for. And truly these are like full on essays that I don't want to take this podcast into like two and a half, three hours. Um, so some of the longer stories I'll read on Patreon. What is this? Oh God. Some, somebody sent me their, um, uh, formal paperwork, their statement of obligation review from um, them getting in trouble in their sorority. And it's basically when a sister, uh, I'll, maybe I'll, this will be my last story. I want to end on a high note because I think this is funny, but also so indicative of uh, people taking things too seriously. Um, this is where in order to file a statement of obligation review, you must have to have a reasonable good faith belief that the new member has violated her statement of obligation and have witnessed the incident or be able to provide the names of the witnesses of the incident. Um, and then you have to fill out like this whole form about things you, the member did or did not do. Um, and it says acts in accordance with blank sororities, constitution policy and procedures. This is checked. No, it says member did not uphold high ideals of sisterhood when she sent an email to the house with profanities, calling her sisters, liars and thieves. Then it says upholds the chapter's bylaws and standing rules. Uh, please reference the bylaw or standing rule. And it said Article 2. The object of this fraternity is to uphold high ideals of sisterhood, foster high ideals of friendship among college women to promote their educational and cultural interests. Um, member did not abide by this Article 2. And then you have to see the appendix for the proof of the breaking of the bylaws of the new member. And the appendix is called Additional Facts Regarding Allegations Being Made. It says. Well, so it's a screenshot of the email. So the person getting in trouble is he emailed me. Then one of her sorority sisters filed formal paperwork to like make a motion against her for breaking articles of sisterhood because she did something so serious. This is going to like standards board and beyond. And there's an appendix that is um, proof. And it's a screenshot of an email from this girl who's sending this to me, um, who had the formal paperwork from her hearing or whatever. And um, yeah, subject line is you're fucking kidding me. And the body of the email. <laughs> it is a photo of a Chipotle burrito bowl. And it says this was a brand new bowl that would have been three meals worth of food. Since when did sisterhood mean living in a house of thieves and liars? You disgust me. Stop eating food that's not yours. Sent from my iPhone. And for that, she got sent to for under formal review. And, you know, we had a similar situation go down with shrimp tacos. Um, one of the biggest fights I've ever seen, seen among friends have had to do with uh, Cabo fish tacos, ginger shrimp tacos. And having had those tacos, I, I stand by my sister uh, who nearly ended a friendship over these ginger shrimp tacos being eaten uh, right from her own fridge under her nose without willy-nilly without any regard for consequence and it was tragic and it was a tough time we all had to work through together um but i loved this seeing it in the context of this formal report with the picture attached of the burrito bowls it's just too good um and lastly i wanted to read to you guys well before i um i'm gonna read some of the funny t-shirts oh god i really wasn't trying to make this so long but i wanted to include as many stories as i could if i skipped yours i am so sorry i really i had like I, I ate out hundreds <laughs> and I kind of was just like random, so randomly selecting them. Um, but if I go back through and there's anything key I missed, I will certainly try to do it on Patreon. Um, 
Okay, actually, what I wanted to read you is somebody that is just graduated emailed me, like, listened to the episode yesterday and emailed me saying, like, these are the, like, here are some updates to, like, what goes on now to, you know, also end on a high note. Um, and she says, I will break down my thoughts and categories. Fines. My national organization does not do fines anymore except for recruitment and, and initiation. This is a huge step in the right direction. And said you have points for going to things and you can add in extras like studying with sisters, being on exec, etc. That's awesome. Um, you have to have 85% attendance points to go to social stuff, but you could make up for not attending by doing other well-rounded-ish things. Even going to varsity sporting events could get you a nice five points. So you couldn't attend chapter because you were busy fulfilling academic in- endeavors, which you also had to maintain to stay in said sorority. You wouldn't necessarily have to pay a fine. That's awesome. That's what I think should happen. It's like there are re- reasons that there are p- like if you're not participating, you're not contributing like, you know, I get the fines. Yeah, if you had to study or if you could make up for it by contributing to, to the community in a bigger way and not just the sorority, I am all for that. Um, and she said, rushed. You couldn't, You talked about having songs and decorations and mocktails, but unfortunately that fun is being sucked right out of recruitment in favor of values-based recruitment, which sounds great, but is really code for boring and there's no food at house tours. Um, however, we did get to do one chant in round one, which I was triggered by part one of the podcast. You don't chant anymore? You Do, do you sing... We had this son that was like, dream tonight of Capital, we will dream of you. And I always remember being like, I was like, I'm not making eye contact during this song. This is too much. Um, somebody, oh God, I wish I remember. Somebody DM yesterday a really funny song lyric that theirs had too. It was very similar to like, we hope we run through your mind at night. <laughs> Those are the best. Um, I talked about who will even find out if we did X during rounds. Well, at my school, there was a rules person that sat outside the house during each round that wasn't from our house. And she could choose to pop inside during a party to check on us. And sometimes these girls were cutthroat and would report us. Also, the potential new members are told lots of rules we have to follow, i.e. don't touch them, don't bid promise, and are encouraged to report violations. There are houses that are habitual offenders and they save up for the money. Damn. Um, Shirt sizes. The pendulum has swung the other way. We are all large and up. I barely see a medium on the list, but that's in the opposite direction. Now, if you order a medium on the Google Doc, I would imagine people would be like, oh, you think you're so small. <laughs> That's kind of interesting. Well, but also it's very visco, girl. I don't think the people are larger. I think the style's larger. Like when I was in school, we had low rise jeans and tight tops. And now I like I would actively choose a loose top and a tight pant. But we weren't wearing skinny jeans. So a big top and like a, a bell bottom, you know, is imbalanced. But a skinny jean and like a bigger shirt is, you know, like are the pointy toe Massimo for Target mid-rise patent leather pumps we had to wear with flared jeans, the chunky sneaks and skinny jeans of today, perhaps biker shorts, who even knows? Um, but no, thank you for that those updates. I love to hear steps in the right direction. And like I said, you know, these are all funny stories about people. They're not funny stories about sororities. <laughs> They're funny stories about people in sororities. And my entire point was always, you know, the context of being in one is funny and important relative to the life phase you were in and how a lot of times being in these groups will make you mad, make you make weird decisions and how getting in trouble in some sort of weird uh, social court is just a funny thing, period, because everyone else in college just kind of lives their life. But again, this the Greek organizations trying to hold you to a higher standard is truly not a bad thing. And as an adult, I think, you know, we all can laugh and we all can say, thank you, God bless. Um, I, you know, 
I hope nobody listens to this as like a salacious thing of like, oh, thank God I was in a sorority or like da da da. Um, because I think these are, you know, specific anecdotal examples at times extremes, at times, you know, not great stories. Um, obviously, there was a few in there that like, my God, I like I I I won't I can't. It's so hard to even associate yourself with anybody that would do that under the premise of a thing that you generally support. You know what I mean? Like if being in a sorority means that you're putting people in closets and telling them they're ugly, I don't want to be affiliated with a sorority. And that that's what's so awful is like these isolated incident incidences just paint this horrendous picture. And I think would discourage a lot of people from joining into a, a chapter and at that and at that university and at that chapter, rightfully so. Uh, and, you know, that's kind of why I wanted to provide a range, because I think that, like, like I said before, every everybody's experience is so different. We have to acknowledge the good and the bad ones. We can't say sororities are all perfect. We can't say that they're all terrible. But we have to, you know, hope that everybody's doing what they can to be better and hope that a lot of the behavior that is is damaging is has anything to do with pushing back on uh, attacks on looks or self-esteem and sexual assault. Like, my God, like all these things are just, like racism. I mean, you hear stories about campus is still exhibiting racist behavior in their selection processes. And it's just like, go F yourself. Get off this planet. That's disgusting. Like, it's disgusting. And, and it's, it's just then it becomes one of those things where, like, your default setting shouldn't be racist. Like when people are like proud to come from a chapter that doesn't discriminate, I'm like, no, you shouldn't pat yourself on the back for not being racist. None of us should be like, like, relax. So it, it becomes this weird thing where like, well, my chapter didn't do this. And I don't want to sound like that, but because this stuff happens and it's awful. Um, but I think that like most of us are just like shallow 18 to 21 year olds who just cared about like getting through college, getting good grades, getting a decent job, having fun while we were at it, getting attention from boys and like having fun with our friends. And I wish I was some sort of global crusader. I wish I had more depth. I think I maybe did. And I was trying to suppress it and ignore it. that. I was probably like largely depressed and watching Gilmore Girls in my cave room half the time. I like straight up one time spilled a whole like tub of chicken noodle soup on my mattress and like left it. Like that's not behavior of a person who's well. Uh, that's like so gross. But I just was like, I don't want to get out of my room. I like think I ate the wontons. It was wonton soup. Yep, it saved saved the wontons. The rest seeped through, and I thought, eh, I guarantee you, the person who had my room after me is listening to this, and it's going to be like, oh my god, that's why my room smelled like broth. <laughs> Anyways, okay, I'm gonna read you a few T-shirts now just because they're too funny. These are so inappropriate. I know I said like the I'm Samantha under an ao pie earlier, but like all of these are so <laughs> a lot of get wets. Um, it's a game of inches. Go long for flag football. Our uh, how was a Kayo? Our symbol was an owl. We had Hooters shirts with the Kayo letters. Um, I had sex on the beach with a pie cap of Phi, and it was an image of a crab holding a cocktail. <laughs> Darling, it's better wearing our letters. I like that under the sea. Wholesome fun. For formals, a lot goes down when we dress up. Uh, KKG, finger looking good with the KFC logo. That's that's something I would suggest that would get a hard past. Oh, you said it got vetoed. There you go. One tequila, two tequila, three tequila, fleur, like flirtily. Must be a Kappa Kappa Gamma. Um, Miss American Pie Fi. Hey, that's cute. Welcome to the Nut House. AGD's mascot is a squirrel. See, the problem with these jokes is that people don't know your mascots. Like, I would never see Welcome to the Nut House or like try D's nuts and be like, oh, you must be an Alpha Gamma Delta. <laughs> um, 
uh, I have a fracture that says one to one chill to pull ratio. Did I understand what that means? Wait, is that gross? Should I not have said that? I don't know what that means. How lucky we are to have something that makes saying goodbye so hard. Oh, yeah. Classic. If you have to pay for friends, then buy the best. Um, completely classy with two C's to look like the Chanel logo. Gross, gross, gross. Too legit to sit. Dance marathon. A little bit classy, but oh, so sassy. Um, Dad's weekend shirts. Anything that said daddy's little, little girl's cringe. Yeah, kids, I'd want to wear that. Even though I am one, but still. The live for the nights. We won't remember the friends. We won't forget. Uh, v. Uh, one said, would you like to see me covered in whipped cream? And it was a pie throwing fundraiser. Ladies, <laughs> this is worse than Abercrombie. How we were all like, oh, God, that was crazy. Why did we wear those Abercrombie shirts? But then like, oh, God, um, from Parents Weekend, I got my daddy's money and my mama's good looks. OK, your mama can have money, too. Unbelievable. You can stare because you care for a breast cancer charity. Oh, God, I think things go a little bit far with them. Breast cancer charities and like boob jokes. One I haven't heard that I think makes a ton of sense is like, thanks for the memories. Um, but other than that, I just think, you know, you can stare for you because you care. It's not a great idea. A picture of a home. And then underneath it, it said coming question mark. That's what she said. OK. <laughs> OK. How are people getting called to standards boards for emails about Chipotle burrito bowls? But that that these things are getting approved. Uh, yeah, we divas, but we ride like big boys do, obviously. Um, didn't I sit, talk about that last week? What was the context? What was I reading last week? Oh, Facebook album titles. I'm really loving crowdsourcing. Oh, yeah, a lot of 80 Pie Diamonds are a girl's best friend. I mean, everyone, you know, if your symbols were something with a built-in, like Marilyn Monroe, Audrey Hepburn, quote, movie, whatever, you were pretty much made in the shade. Um, I can't even tell you how many people said Diamonds are a girl's best friend. Hakuna, some vodka? <laughs> get drunk i mean hey that's how some people relieve their worries on a scale of one to america how free are you tonight um no theta no fun no theta no fun what no oh oh that's like homophone like it's that's confusing it's very much like friends do, do they know that we know that you know that they know uh, too many knows Delta tell Delta fall rush. Two M&Ms that said Delta in your mouth, not in your hand. No. <laughs> Why is that what triggering for me? No. <laughs> my husband's Brad hat. As long as you have a face, I have a place to sit. Guys, oh my God. And we would talk about the, the patriarchy and the messaging to boys. I could breathe into a brown paper bag. Oh my God. These are the things we needed to not encourage men to to jokingly talk about forcefully Ugh, interacting with women, if you can call that interacting. Oh, my God. I'm literally rubbing my head. I uh, whew, these are tough. Oh, this is kind of brilliant. We won't drink in our letters, but we'll drink in yours and have the Greek alphabet minus ours. Very clever. But does your chapter approve that is my question. Like, would nationals like that? Did you have to pay twelve dollars? Did, did you have to submit your size? It's kind of crazy. Um, forget Rudolph. Let's get Blitzen. <laughs> yoga lotties and dad bodies with a bunch of beer belly men in yoga poses on the shirt. Can't say I understand the philanthropy of that. Um, yoga lotties with dad bodies, unless it was all the dudes that went to that pancake breakfast. Because, you know, eating a stack of pancakes for dinner is kind of high in cows. 
I do love a dad body, though. I think uh, it like no one will believe me when I say I'm not super attracted to Tyler C., but there's something very self-involved about having a sculptural body. You know what I mean? That is the type of person I wouldn't be into. Like if you're going to forego, you know, getting uh, hibachi delivered with me two separate meals. I'm not I'm, I'm not splitting a uh, an emperor's delight from Benny Han. I'm getting my own. And and we can't like, you know, just waste hours watching TV and doing nothing. And like maybe me making you play heads up and like you forego the gym and like healthy eating for all of that. Like, that's not fun to me. Like, I don't like people super um, regimented about like health, diet and fitness. And I know that's like such a generalization. And I support you if you are. But I mean, for my me as a life partner, it would piss me off to no end if like I like needed somebody to do something or to be more flexible or to come to something and like. They were so super inflexible about their gym routine and like talk to me about stuff like leg day. I just I just do. I do not care. Could not care. I really do think fitnessy people need to marry fitnessy people because non fitnessy people just do not get it. Like I, I I'm not opposed to exercising. Like I'll do yoga in my house sometimes like my husband and I like he got me boxing gloves and he'll put up the mitt thingies and I'll like punch them and it feel it's very satisfying. Um, and like, yeah, whatever, like to work out and prioritize yourself. And I think it's important to like, yeah, prioritize your, your health and well-being. But I just mean like there's a difference between a person who works out and like a gym rat. And there's a difference between in shape and like fitness model. And the latter two in those examples are what I'm not not into. Um, anyway. I swear I'll be done soon. We don't rush. We take our time with a dude with in bed with two girls. Ew. American by birth, Alpha Chi by the grace of God. Oh, God. <laughs> We're always above par. It was a date party. The whole point of golf is to be below par. <laughs> wait, no, but wait, no, that's a saying. Oh, I think it did. Well, I guess it did. Like, because, yes, that is a golf metaphor. But like in finance, like if a if um. Like a bond is selling above par. It means it's above like face value, like it's selling at a premium. So I think that, yeah, I don't know. That's a really good question. But if it's related to golf on the T-shirt, then yeah, that I guess doesn't track. But now I'm wondering if I've been using that phrase wrong all this time. It's my other shirt that has its collared popped. You can't always get what you want, but we did. We were the Broncos that said, let's get bucked up. We had a tank that said got booty on the back. It was a pirate. I feel like I've seen that one. Um, oh, no, 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 no. This girl's shirt said perfection by selection. And we now talk about how it was pretty insensitive because, well, genocide. Oh, my God, guys. guys, guys that, that is so bad. That's so bad. It's, it's weird when you, like, have no intentions of meaning anything like that. But, yeah, the, that phrase is, is, is terrible. Um, some girls get all the guys here at tech. Those girls are fies. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I think you went to college with me. That's hysterical. Um, can Hellenic slogan one year was passionate period, aware period, involved period. It's not even good. <laughs> passionate, aware and involved. Like those are like the three things. I mean, two of those three things if somebody said about me i'd be like oh you you hate me you can't think of anything nice to say about me <laughs> um sigma kai's rush was their letters made to look like the fedex logo stuffing boxes sense oh jesus christ i can't this is so frustrating um jealousy is a sickness get well soon did i already read that because it's oh my god 
celebrate we will for life is short but sweet for certain yes yes Dave Matthews that's this, this is the wholesome these are the wholesome queens we need um a girl should be two things classy and fabulous classic that's like such a classic wall decor wham bam delta gam nobody realized what it meant till too late a lot of people say strat and I, my friends at UVA used to always say strat but we never really called it that liquor in the front poker in the back This is where Abercrombie must get all their ideas. This is why growing up with these phrases, we thought this was funny. A lot of, a lot of triple D jokes with you triadults. Can I help you? Help you? Help you? Maybe that is right after all. Just kidding. Um, try a delt. Everybody else has. Just kidding. Um, there's not really a good one for Kappa Delta. If you have one, that's like Kappa Delta. <laughs> Let me know because I've never heard one. <laughs> You're just classy. What can I say? What can I say? Handed down shirt knockoff of the tobacco label. So hot will make your mouth water. I got some vintage shirts, like letters from like my family or whatever, my big or grand big or something. And um, I was so over it when I left college. I like gave them all to my little Claire, the one who ate the muffins. And um, she wears it all the time. And I'm so jealous. It's like from the 80s. And like now it's cool as hell. It's like a really it's a, like oversized shirt with these like this uh it, the fabric is so so old school it looks like, like curtains or like bed like a bedroom upholstery from like the, the 1960s it's it's awesome person said do it for the vine john 15 5 like scripture it says recruitment for a christian sorority when vine was alive they, that's funny taking bible quotes out of context and making them uh modern references I mean, not like funny, but it's like if you're a Christian sorority, you got to deal with it. The hand you're dealt. Why not have fun with it? Drop it like F. Scott for a Gatsby theme party. Hey, I respect that. I haven't actually heard that before. And I love a literary reference. Drop it like F. Scott. That's amazing. Zelda was a wild woman. She would have loved that. <laughs> I really just saw my 16th jealousy is a disease. Get well soon. And there are shirts for pledges. Do you want everyone to hate them? That shirt is so bad. It's got to be a form of hazing. I mean, it's so wild. Pansies in pink. Pan Wait, pretty in pink. Pansies and pearls will always be daddy's little girls. <laughs> it's just so like we're delicate flowers and we wear pearls and we're super classy, but we love to make a box joke every now and then. Actually, he is just that into me with a call me conversation heart. Timeless. Des wait, timeless. Admired distinctive desired insert letters here is forever oh god is that a is that i hope that's a play on something because if it's just made up it's like that reminds you of passionate intuitive or no passionate aware involved it's like you're um yeah you're a really nice girl you're um you're you're distinctive uh yeah your, your looks they're um what's the word uh, timeless like those are all things that like are not compliments <laughs> They taught us how to walk. We teach them how to crawl. That's a classic parents weekend bar crawl. I love that. Went to Christian college, so no sororities, but friends hall almost said ride the Jesus coaster. What? <laughs> What's the Jesus coaster? That's like an in that's interesting imagery. Would he put his hands up? You know how I always talk about it. I love that you can't not smile on a roller coaster. You, okay, you never see paintings of Jesus smiling. You know, why is that? 
I know he had a hard life, but like, and obviously, like things were tough at the end, and and he the, he there was a lot of sacrifice involved. Not trying to be offensive here, I'm legitimately saying it's a little interesting how like he's Emmanuel, the Great I Am, the Prince of Peace. He is the Lamb. Uh, let's see if I can keep going. You're my saving grace. Yeah, however you are ancient of days you're the alpha omega beginning and end you're my savior messiah redeemer and friend you're my prince of peace um i used to love that song wow haven't dug that one up in a while um anyways i want to see the chompers if you're the prince of peace i want i want you cheesing like are you fashion blogger like Let's look happy once in a while if we're breaking bread, if we're, you know, I, I just think that it would it would sell Christianity a little bit harder. Really, I'm trying to help. Uh, I love Jesus. Don't get me wrong. Uh, I just I, I, I we don't really know what he looks like. Right. Like all the paintings are just guessing. Also, a lot of Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints mommy bloggers have this huge portrait of Jesus standing in front of the sea. Um, and it's their, their kids are always in front of it and like holding artwork and like doing cute kid stuff. And then it's like, Jesus, it's, it's like a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot for, for as it relates to artwork. Um, anywho, just wonder what that company is and how they've managed to infiltrate the, the, the blogosphere like that of Tula. Look at the size of his putter after 18 holes. She can barely walk. Like, would you go home and wear that in front of your father? Like, I can't. <sighs> I'm like realizing how tame we were because ours literally were like, I don't, I don't remember anything besides like friends are the family you choose. <laughs> we practice safe sets for sorority intramural volleyball. You know, that's clever and mildly sexual. And I love a volleyball pun and I support that. Uh, a lot of mean girls quotes. Everything's mean, mean. What was I? Oh yeah. The Facebook albums were all mean girls quotes too. I mean, that movie really impacted a generation. Um, okay, I'm going to wrap up here. Drag boat race shirt that said long, deep, and hard. Jesus Christ. <laughs> a frat rush shirt that said SIGEP. We have the meats, like the Arby's logo. You know what? Maybe I'll end there. I love Arby's. Like I said earlier, if if that girl's story was like she had sex in an Arby's parking lot, I'd be like, I love a beef and cheddar. After the party, it's the local Arby's. I understand and, you know, I just can't think of a better place to be. And now I want Arby's. I just ordered a Panera Bread, two soups. If you pick two, you can get two soups. Somebody DM'd me this the other day. I was like, thank you, soldier. I, I don't know why I never thought of this, but I'm excited to go eat my broccoli. Chad, do we have a, if you're dating a blank, uh, raise your hand. If you're not, raise your standards. I feel like I'm shocked to not hear that. That was kind of a popular one. I mean, I just guess I'm more surprised to see uh, Hakuna Mavodka than uh, one of the classic buddy info quotes but honestly like if i had a shirt today one of our philanthropies was called katie king it was a male beauty pageant obviously very creative very original and i think if i had to do the shirts this day and age i would simply just say if <laughs> if you don't believe in kd king you can stick a fire poker through my foot and i wouldn't feel a thing it rhymes. It's cute. It's clever. It, it's from Mr. Deeds. It makes no sense. <laughs> oh, I'll put it in a call to Clarence and Rutabagger. See if we can make it happen. Uh, anyway, guys, thank you so much for listening. Who knows what's in this episode? I don't think I'm going to have time to listen back to it. We laughed. We cried. We got angry. Uh, the, there was a lot of different emotions here, and I just hope um, everybody's walking away feeling lighthearted, having experienced range, having acknowledged 
a lot of difficulty and things that need to change and realizing that so often it's helpful to almost gain perspective because all of these things are so intense in real time and are make or break and nothing really does ever make or break you. You can kind of ultimately decide that. And I think we learned we need to stand up for ourselves where we see fit. It's far more important to care for ourselves than to protect a chapter that's not even treating us well. I think we learned that, you know, the arbitrary rules that are being enforced upon you while they're funny as hell to break in real time, they don't really have any implication on your life. At least standards boards are trying. At least they're trying to make everybody behave. Because when we hear stories about people not behaving, it's like, why isn't anybody doing anything? And then I think these organizations are trying to do something, but people aren't receptive. It's it's an interesting uh, uh, catch-22. But I, I, I think we learned that, you know, it's if it can't always be a good experience, sometimes it makes for the best story. And that it's not four years, it's forever. I I think that, you know, a lot of people really have such fond memories of the friendships they made. And I think what the beauty of this podcast is people probably hadn't thought about these bad stories or crazy stories or standard stories in so long, because when you walk away, you do largely as cheesy as it sounds, take the friendships with you and take a lot of the good moments with you. And that's how it should be. And I hope reminiscing, you know, brings up other stories in your head or allows you to reconnect with your old friends. I know I love having like text chains with my sorority sisters about the nonsense we used to do. I was just looking through pictures and I have like 10 I need to send around to be like, what on earth is this? Like in our senior, our slug apartment, there's like photos of us before a date party and everybody's like holding and kissing a hamster. Whose hamster is that? Like, why is it there? Like, I have no, like, are we flea bag? Like, it's a guinea pig. But like, I have no memory of ever having a rodent near me. And like, I just like, wouldn't be surprised if it was like a street mouse that we were like, oh my God, did Tiffany bring her pet mouse? And it's like from the garbage. Also, we had this thing on the wall called the wall of sketch. And we'd like print out printer paper photos of things that happened and put people up there, which is like kind of low key bullying maybe. But also I think we were trying to be funny because when I went to school, sketchy was what shady is now or that maybe we maybe moved on to a different term. But back then we used to be like, I sweat you. We used to say sweat a lot. And we used to say our lives were in shambles constantly. Sweat, shambles, sketchy. We're kind of like the, you know, like shade, lit, dope fire you know what i mean like there everybody has their words now that i feel like utterly ridiculous saying um even sometimes i'm like i feel even stupid being like that's sick but like sometimes it is uh but i've never been able to say something's lit it just doesn't roll off my tongue i feel like a moron i feel like i might as well be wearing a shirt that says admired distinctive whatever (laughs) passionate involved aware (laughs) can't get over that Oh God. Anyway, guys, um, thanks for joining. Thanks to FabFitFun for sponsoring the first episode. Please, please, please remember to go to FabFitFun.com. Use code B there in five. F-I-V-E, whereas Wink is the number five. Very confusing. We're working on it. Um, and they, they get, get your $49.99 in box for $39.99, which is $10 off for over $200 worth of full-size products for their fall box that people are obsessed with. And by supporting them, you support the podcast because they were awesome to support the podcast. And um, try wink.com. Use code be there in five with the number five at checkout to try awesome wines and let me know how you like them. Let's just like all talk about our things together. I um, It's fun because this podcast has grown a lot and there's a lot more ad opportunities. And uh, typically, you know, you'll get to experience something before you advertise for it, which I like to do. 
And I'm, you guys know me, I'm the hardest on all of the things, all of the spawn con. I wrote a book making fun of people that hawk stuff, full well knowing that I was ultimately working toward being ad supported because that's the only real revenue model for a podcast unless it's full on subscribers. Realizing Patreon was a slower build. I'm so appreciative, uh, appreciative for what's there. But the workload really does need kind of like an ad supported model. And uh, as I try things, it's just it's funny. It's funny because I'm having to like eat my words. And I'm like, oh, man, I like this. <laughs> but there's been a few things I have not liked that I, I will not advertise for. And the other thing, too, you have to keep in mind is like if you're advertising for, you know, like there's a bajillion mattress companies and you could just take whatever comes your way or the highest offer. But like I want to choose the one I actually like and think it's interesting, not the most popular one, not the best offer. And like, I love the one we have. So I'm really trying to navigate it the best I can um, and figure out a balance of the priority being supporting the podcast because you guys like it and want to listen to it and finding the right ads that aren't like too forced or you're like rolling your eyes like you would not. I know you are not into this. Um, so it's a tricky balance, but I'm working on it. And thanks for your patience. In the meantime, it's fun to have uh, more incentive to get these out, uh, you know, on on Wednesday at some point and to prioritize them because before I was like a little bit more flaky about the day. And I don't know, I'm just I'm really enjoying this being a bigger part of my job. And I'm so, so appreciative of all of you listening and continuing to come back. And I know I've done more deep dives and interviews and it's kind of changed from how it used to be. But hopefully girl uh, episodes like girl visco girl wash your face are kind of like peppered in for the older style to keep everybody happy. I want, every, I want everyone to stick around. It means the world to me. And I'm so excited to meet some of you at the live show on December 5th. If you want me to like come to your city and do something and you think you have a lot of friends that would come, I guess, let me know. I, again, I'm not really sure how this works, uh, but I'm always looking for excuses to go to the cities I love and have friends in. Your New Yorks, your L.A.'s, anywhere in North Carolina, Richmond. I love Dallas. I love Charleston. I, I love I love Atlanta. I love I love Nashville. I haven't been, but I'm going tomorrow and I'm sure I'll love it. I love all sorts of places that I, I, I'd love to come see you guys in. So Salt Lake City, I'm, I, I'm huge there. <laughs> Nobody wants to see me in Salt Lake City. Uh, but anyway, I I don't know. We'll see how the first show goes. And if it works, then I'll maybe we'll do something else. I just need to figure out a format. That, it's, it's a little bit weird when you're a solo podcaster. I'm not a stand-up comic. So I'm not going to go up there and be like, Ugh. I don't want to be like, I don't have material to material. <laughs> I like repeat the same jokes all the time, but who doesn't like I'm obsessed with like college dudes, like frat boys that are aggressive playing beer punk. Cause like, who cares? But also it's just like such a premature sign of aggression. I have no patience for like Heather McMahon. And I talked about, and it's like, is there beer in that cup? And I'm like, yes, there's beer in this cup. Shut up. There wasn't beer in that cup, but like they were right, but you don't have to take it out on me. You know what I mean? What will probably more likely happen is I'll kind of talk about like current events and actually make it more like a podcast. It's going to take everything in me not to turn it into a TED Talk, but alas, it usually does. Start taking everything in me right now to not turn this into a TED Talk, but I know I've disclaimed the crap out of all this, and I've said plenty, and I know I was like, oh, we should talk after this if you're in college. And honestly, all I really wanted to say, I, I just, I cannot believe how different I am a decade later. All of this feels so recent, yet so distant. And when I think about myself 10 years ago, mired in, you know, mired in such insecurity in, in senses of inadequacy in in a deep game of comparison and just doing what everyone else around me was doing because that that was what was comfortable and I think a lot of times there were things I wasn't comfortable with there were things I didn't agree with there were things that I wish I hadn't done and that would have been the courageous thing to do 
And I don't think I realized until after I got out of college that what made me different, how I thought differently was ultimately what would make me successful and not be my demise. And when I was growing up, I thought all of these things I, you know, all of these aspects of my personality that made me less fun than everybody else were why I I wasn't deserving of, you know, friendship or, or love or, you know, you have these moments where you're just like, I suck. Like, I want to be fun. I want to be the party girl. I want to be at every date party. I want to be invited to formals. Like, I never was invited to an overnight formal. I was never invited as like an actual romantic date to anything. I was always everybody's like BFF. Anybody I dated in college, like just wanted to be like friends with benefits, like truly never had a positive dating experience. And I just like, I think, I don't know. I, I just have been thinking a lot about this and I have so many feelings about how uh, college just seems like this microcosm that everything that goes on is going to is is kind of a, a proxy for what will play out in your real life. And it couldn't be farther from the truth. And even though these stories are fun and silly, um, I also had a lot of dark times in college. And I, I I just am grateful to be on the other side and to have realized how, you know, you have you've more control than you might think. And I left college and literally never went back. And it's funny because I really liked my friends and I really loved the school, but it's been like an interesting the journey for me. This I hate this is a dumb way to put it, but like just this past week, like going through memories and pictures, reading other people's stuff, kind of reliving like, you know, April 16th and thinking like, oh, God, is, you know, maybe I'm not realizing how much of that like fear I'm projecting onto my experience. And and I shut out so much of it. And, um, you know, it's. I, I now I'm so much more aware of like my uh, disposition and mental health. And I think about in college how I thought everything was situational. I thought that I was reacting certain ways because of my environment. And it, I really had no, I, no idea that how I was kind of predisposed to act and how I what tools I could have used to work around it to that. I wouldn't have had to like think I had to just drink into the oblivion to have fun or not go at all or and I was always really sick in college. Like I was always, you know, I I always would say like, I think I'm like allergic to vodka or something. And even if I would have like one drink or two, I would throw up. And part of me now is just like, I think that I, my like body as a whole was just like rejecting everything. Like I just, it was so not me. I think I was physically sick for like so many other reasons. And I don't know, but I'm not saying this like end on a bummer note. I guess the the entire point is like, despite all of those things, I look back on the times with my friends so positively. And the fact that I was so resistant to the sorority for the first two years, the fact that people thought I literally didn't even want to be there and was a waste of a bid. And the fact that I was kind of moody and I told that awful story about insomnia when everybody else was pouring their heart out. And, you know, among other things that I just like straight up didn't go to things at first. By the time junior year rolled around, I was so into it. And I, you know, I'm so grateful that I kind of turned a leaf because the reason I got into it is because despite all of those things I did that really weren't desirable for a sorority sister, they accepted me anyway. They embraced me anyway. And they put out effort anyway. My friend Lindsay, who is is like this glowing example of the perfect friend and sorority sister. And she's just so lovely. And she always had my back. She was always inviting me. She was never mad. At me. She's probably not even mad at me that I did this podcast, which to be honest, is it goes against a lot of what she wants me to be saying. But like, it's it's just friends like that that are implicitly supportive that are such examples of like carrying out the good parts of a sorority and that are able to be hyper involved but 
not in a way that's off-putting and instead of you know being a, a sorority obsessed person that makes you be like oh and it's kind of repelling how much she cared was so endearing that it drew me in further and um i just really lucked out with my pledge class with my friends within my pledge class i just i mean truly i my senior year was like made because of my friend hannah and and my friend emily who I didn't really get close with until we went abroad. And then I was like, oh, my God, we are the same people. Like we somehow were attracted to the same place because we do have similar values. But like we didn't even realize it. And there are just so many good things when I think back on it. And I I hope you hold on to those and I hope you focus on the friendships. And I hope when anything organizational goes wrong, you're able to either laugh about it, see the temporary nature of it. And you're able to stand up for yourself where you see fit, let it slide where it makes sense. And you're able to move forward, hopefully having lifelong friendships, hopefully having been kept out of a little trouble. And I think anytime we can, you know, in life, looking back, uh, we can't help the pain. We can't help a lot of disappointment. Bad things happen, but what I always try to do is net positive and uh, to look back and realize the joy far outweighed any of the sorrow. And I can certainly say that um, about my sorority and about how kind everybody always was to me and in I am so grateful for all of them. They listen to this podcast. They're invested in my career. Like, truly, I am very, very lucky. And I just never want to be ungrateful for that whatsoever. My my wedding was in Italy. It was so far away. And, like, I didn't really know if anybody would come. And, like, my best, best friends from home who I love, like, they couldn't make it. Like, my childhood friends. And, and like, and out in the crowd was, like, my friends from Kappa Delta and my friends from work. And those were friendships I made in my adult life and maintained in my adult life. And, you know, even though they did do the sorority chant and there's like a video of it in my wedding video and I'm like my head's down and I'm like, I'm like half clapping and laughing because like I loved it. But also like I, I'm like, oh, my God, it, it, to, to be like in the middle of like a Riviera and it's like everyone like doesn't even speak English and we're like, check a beer, check a beer. I'm just kidding. It wasn't that. Oh, and it was oh, K-A-P-P-A. It was that it was that cheer, which is it's much more respectable than chug a beer like a KD can. But especially because everybody, I think, uses that chant. But I remember the first time I heard chug a beer, chug a beer, chug a beer like a KD can. I was in my pledge period and I was like, oh, my God, thank God these people drink. This is this is there. There might be some fun after all, in addition to being um, distinctive and uh, admirable and uh, timeless. <laughs> Sorry, I'll know. So for some reason, those are like the two most uh, asinine, like the, n- n- there's nothing that notable about those two T-shirts other than the fact that they were so incredibly bland, but self-proud for the adjectives that just aren't that exciting. Um, anyways, I got to go. Got to keep going. Could talk forever. The last thing I'll say is um, I'm going to Bachelorette Party in Nashville tomorrow for a dear friend um, who I love very much. And I'm so excited. And two Instagram followers slash listeners reached out when they saw I was going and offered to make stuff for the bride. And they are both Etsy shops. And I my, my career got started out on Etsy. And I'm so grateful for them. And one is called Sassy Sash Sashes. She makes the cutest freaking stuff. Um and made like we're going to Nashville and we got her like a cowboy hat and like a, uh, and it says like future Mrs. whatever on the back. And um, I mean, like it, it, they made it fast and it's beautiful and she makes all sorts of stuff for special occasions, especially bachelorette parties. And the other um, shop is called uh, Sequins and Lipstick and she makes incredible like cups and napkins and customizable like paper goods and party goods um, like that are uh, they're so professional, like they're actual proper stadium college cups and that I got to design and like 
I don't know. I, I just I don't have the skills in terms of like the party decor and the home stuff. And I'm obsessed with it. And it just makes it all the more special. And that was really cool of people to offer. And it's just not lost. I mean, I don't know. I, I don't even know if you're out there, but I just want other people if you want to get awesome stuff for parties, for bachelor parties, for showers, whatever. Sassy Sash Sashes. Look that up on Etsy and look up sequins and lipstick. I think they're sassy sash sashes.com and sequins and lipstick.com. Not not ad supported, but they did reach out and offer to make me stuff. And I'm just really grateful. So anyway, all right, guys, I'll let you go. Um, if you liked this, leave us five stars. I please, please, please come back. Even if you don't like sororities, I try to talk about other stuff. I'm going to play a song not about sororities necessarily, not about what we talked about, because, again, my point is about the friendships. And when I was a senior in college, uh, there was a song by Rihanna out called Disturbia. And we would take it upon ourselves in our slug apartment uh, for some reason, my roommate had a smoke machine, fog machine. We'd turn on the fog machine. We'd have fog parties. We would play Disturbia on repeat, get on chairs and coffee tables, and proceed to beat the popcorn ceiling like bum, bum, beat them, bum, bum. It's very, very strange <laughs> and ridiculous. We'd do it in like the dorms and the frat houses. We'd like, I don't need, I honestly do not know what we were thinking, but it's so funny to look back on. He will always think of it as being our song whenever it like plays at somebody's wedding. It's such a joy and a delight. And it's just one of those things you have. A, you have a song where you can like taste and smell and feel exactly how you felt. You can feel the tiny, weird street mouse that was in your apartment that you thought was your friend's hamster that you kissed on the lips for for a photo before a date party. And now I've realized you might have been at risk for some cash rabies, but it's fine. You had a great time. You're listening to a Rihanna bop. And that is what life's all about. Good friends, good music, good memories and netting positive. And I love you guys so much. Thank you for listening. I, I keep writing and my publisher is probably like, for the love, please tell people to buy your book. My book is Twinkle Twinkle Social Media Star. It is a parody book about social media. If nursery rhyme characters had Instagram, would Little Bo Peep have a GoFundMe for a lost sheep? Would Little Miss Muffet sell curds and whey protein? I don't know. You'll have to buy it to find out. There's a link in the episode notes and in my Instagram bio for all things. Join me there in five's totally casual, breezy Facebook group. Um... All the things, you know, you know the drill. Uh, I just am always worried I'm forgetting people. Uh, but hopefully it's in the show notes or reach out to me at podcast at be there in five dot com with any and all feedback. Or if you want to be on the next next Kate Lila, uh, where I answer listener questions like Delilah episode, you can call into the hotline three one two three seven nine nine six seven six. Also in the show notes and in the bio of be there in five podcast on Instagram, which you should also follow. My God, I'm a monster. This the past 17 minutes is is disturbia. What I, I should have mentioned it a while ago. Probably should have cut down on some stories. But I, I just like to spend more time with you and hopefully earn the privilege of your time. So, anyways, with that, thank you as always, and I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful week. I'll see you next week. And as always, let me know your thoughts, and I will let you know mine. I'll be there in five. I swear. <laughs>